Hello, and welcome to the Ham Radio Crash Course Podcast. My name is Josh, Ham Radio Call Sign, KI6NAZ. And I'm Leia, KN6NWZ. And we like to talk about radio, among many other things. So come along with us, won't you? Hello, Leia. How are you on this fine week? Great. Amongst this jungle of flowers that is on the table? Yeah. In the studio. <laughs> well, I had a fantastic birthday followed by a fantastic anniversary. Wonderful. I'm glad that it all worked out. Yeah, it was. It's probably my best birthday weekend as an adult yet. What made it the best birthday? I didn't have to plan anything. This is uh, something I have learned is a high mark for you. Yes. The more you can uh, enjoy, just enjoy yourself. Right. Yeah. Not have to mom it up constantly so, or plan and party host it up. On Thursday, mm-hmm. I was surprised by uh, two of my best friends mm-hmm. who came over f- with their kids for piano lessons and then brought me a cake mm-hmm. and they also cooked dinner. So that mm-hmm. was awesome. Yep. Yep. And then the next day I was invited, well, we were all invited to go to a get together that turned out to be a surprise party mm-hmm. because there's a group chat that I'm in that has about eight or nine people mm-hmm. and half of those people have birthdays in the same week. <laughs> Me being one That's of them. crazy. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it was wild. And uh, then the next day, my sister invited me over. We went swimming and she surprised me with charcuterie and we had dinner and we went, you know, and she had all these drinks and that was great. And then the next day, uh, my family came over and you grilled up some steaks Mm -hmm. and and we had more lobster. Yes, there was lobster on Friday. I think that helped a lot. I really like lobster. Yeah, yeah. So Friday lobster, Sunday lobster. Uh, yeah. It was quite the quite the weekend. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I had fun too. Well, you didn't have to plan anything. <laughs> I, I did not. I did not. I will have to say, though, that I have a track record, if you will, of planning things that you don't really like. I think that's safe to say. Yeah, because a lot of times you plan things that actually require me to do more work. I don't think that's true. The one time you wanted to host a yoga party at our house? Well, we would have hired somebody to just clean it for you. You're really into yoga. I know, but I would have had to do all of the refreshments because the yoga teacher wasn't going to bring refreshments. And she you was can't... bringing quinoa. <laughs> More like kombucha. Kombucha. That's and right. essential oils. <laughs> That's right. Feed your body and your soul. True. <laughs> True. Well, everybody, thanks for coming out to the Hammer to Crash Course podcast. We really do appreciate it. We'd like to kick off the Hammer to Crash Course podcast with the Ham Radio Minute. It's never a minute. And today is going to be a... Boy, I've gotten this question many, many times. And it, it comes in many different flavors. But it all kind of centrals around Doomsday Radio. Oh. So I get, I get an email or, you know, a, a direct message or something that, that goes along the lines of... Hey, I'm planning, uh, I'm I'm putting a comms plan together for my family. It's going to be my wife and I want to be able to communicate with our family who sometimes, you know, parents that sometimes watch our kids and we're like 50 or more over a hundred miles away. 
What's How do the... they sometimes watch the kids from a hundred miles away? Well, so there's variations of this of like, there'll be close proximity, but there'll be like a mountain between them. Oh. Or they'll be like a hundred miles away and it's relatively flat or it's 300 miles away and they want to buy a handheld to like do all the things. Mm. And the reality of it is, and I hate to, I hate to always, you know, cause it, it generally goes along this line of talking points. One is everybody going to get licensed? And I will inevitably get the question back of, well, I thought you didn't need a license if it's an emergency. But you have to practice contact. Correct. And so that's generally what happens. It's like, well, yes, that is true. But um, if you've not practiced this, particularly the going further stuff in ham radio, the getting the distance stuff. And calibrating your equipment. Right. right. And just making sure it all works and, and yeah. making sure your batteries are charged and all that stuff. It, it's something like it's almost like car maintenance that we do to ourselves, except that you got to do it every time you go out in the field or every time you're playing around with radio. There's always something like you've, you're, you're mucking around with, right? So you kind of have to remind everybody of that. And a lot of the times they come back with, well, no, my parents don't really want to get their license or they're only planning on getting the technician license, which is kind of like code for probably not. You know, when I start mm-hmm. hearing that, no offense, you know, I, I assume everybody has the best intentions, but I've seen this play out a lot. And so then it's like, okay, well, what's the budget? And it's like, well, it's about $200 for everything. It's like, okay. So you're, <laughs> you're in Baofeng territory, right. right? Like that's, that's where you're in, you're in Baofeng country. So really have, you know, we always talk about like have goals in mind, mm-hmm. have plans, have budgets, right? Like actually sit down and start putting the brass tacks to, are we committing to get our license? Are we committing to put aside some money? to make this happen because I can give you all the ideas in the world about how to make these kind of longer distance contacts, but it's oftentimes not a starting point to just take your first step and, and build an entire comms plan where you're making very reliable communication 300 plus miles away or over 50 miles with, you know, terrain in between you, that kind of things. And the the individual I'm talking to, and you know, he seems like a a well-meaning person, he wants to do, it's this 15-mile, you know, jump that he's got to make with RF, but he's got a huge mountain or mountains between them. So he wants, like, a portable NVIS, situ- like, setup. I'm actually learning because I was going to say NVIS. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, everything you're saying so far is, like, textbook, sure, this is all possible. But then he wants it portable, so he's not going to have 100 watts at his disposal, which, again, is going to reduce the effectivity and the reliability of being able to make these contacts every time. And then, you know, he was asking me, well, can can my parents do, like, shortwave radio, and then they can just hear us? And it's like, well, yeah, but then how do you know they're okay, right? So I, I kind of approached it like, well, why don't you start out with, like, a GMRS license? Everybody gets a good 50-watt mobile radio. And that could be backpack portable with a battery, or it could be connected to a car. Cars are good because they're good ground planes. You can base the antenna off of. But how far it, is that going to get you? Oh, it'll do 50 miles, but it won't do over the hill. But at the same time, I don't know exactly. He's he's in like the LA area, so if he tells me where roughly he's at, I can I can get a better idea of it. There's some stuff called knife edging where RF will actually kind of bend over the top of of hills, and you can sometimes make contacts that way. So th- there is some possible things for solutions but it's just one example of of the many examples of of people who contact me with this very specific thing this goal in mind and honestly it deserves a video it's it's one i'm starting to put pen to paper for some bulleted points that i'm going to talk about to kind of like walk through 
like seriously what you'd have to buy and what you need to commit to to make it work. Because I think people, I think people think that they can go buy like a QRP radio and they can make a lot of this happen. And and the one thing I always remind people is that QRP is great. I love QRP. Everybody loves doing sodas and potas or just going out in the field and seeing what you what contacts you can make. But it's fishing, right? Right. It, it's fishing for any catch you can make. It's fishing for any contact that you can get in the log. If you're trying to contact someone very specifically and do it reliably, that's a different story. That's a much more complex story, right, where you have to really pay attention to what your goals are and what you're trying to achieve. And there is a dollar sign that's attached to that for sure, and obviously a level of commitment that all parties involved have to strive for. So, yeah, that's the AM Radio Minute. <laughs> All right. What a downer. It's not a downer. I think it's just I think it's just being reasonable about what your uh, your goals are, right? And really understanding cuz particularly if you're starting out in ham radio. Oh man, there is a, a world of of complex things that you're going to have to get behind and understand before you just Don't buy I a lot it. of stuff and like start using it, right? I, yeah, I think it's a Yeah. Don't noble goals, yeah. all noble goals, uh-huh. you know, but maybe start with the technician, maybe explore that APRS space, maybe explore the Windlink space first. Maybe that's where you start. Maybe that's going to work in an emergency. I don't know, but, you know, something to think about. Anyway, that's how we're kicking it off. And thanks, everybody, again, for clicking on the show. So, Leah. I'll bring the beer. What are, uh, what are we drinking uh, right now, exactly? What would you call this uh, thing that you've made? I believe that... It's supposed to be a foggy Manchester, which is a martini that uses gin, vodka, St. Germain, and blue curacao. Yeah. When you started pulling out that blue curacao, I was like, bruh, what are we doing here? This is, <laughs> this is harkening back to uh, like just graduated college days. You hate blue drinks. I, I, I get a very clear indication of what's about to happen when i see a blue drink there's another blue drink i'm very familiar with it's adios and then there's some other words on the back end of that i had quite a few of those uh, as i was a a a youth i guess i remember seeing this video on tiktok where it's a it's a guy reacting to a vegas bartender Mm -hmm. and the guy is pouring just tons of oh yeah alcohol i've seen this yeah 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 into I, these cups. he's like an older dude right and he's like screaming about like how much alcohol how much yeah you're, cost? Trying, to, you're, you're trying to kill this person yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah and all i could think was that's the kind of it's long, a good deal uh, that's the kind of long island i wanted them to pour <laughs> i mean but that's probably in vegas that's probably like a 25 dollar long island still right it's, that's still so it's like steal. okay it's still it's still yeah. you know you're getting your money's worth, it's but yeah, four or five drinks in one that you complete in the time of one, and then go back for <laughs> another, and then your your whole time schedule of drinking is thrown off. Which can, uh, I can tell yeah. by the way you're saying this that mm-hmm. you were not a Long Island drinker. <laughs> I've had a few. Largely, it was after I started dating you that, that I was. That like, was oh, my oh. cocktail of choice. I know, I know. You were you were very. Uh, yeah, there was a whole thing there. I was very good at drinking. <laughs> was, I think is the key word. Yeah. You don't drink very often anymore. I don't. But the key to the Long Island is that you've actually got to nurse it over the course of two hours, follow it by some water, and then reassess. 
Where are we at? That's exactly. Did we not? You know what? Do we that, want another Long Island? That's exactly how you, every time I saw you drink a Long Island, <laughs> that's exactly how you did it. You had like a, a, a checklist that you went through, you know, as you as you got to the self-assessment point. It was it was very adult. And the, at the yeah. self-assessment point, it was always, yes, another Long Island. It was one check. The yeah. answer was yes. Is it before 10? Yes. <laughs> Or whatever. I don't even know if 10's right. I think right. it's midnight. Yeah, I, I think it's before say, okay. midnight. Yeah. <laughs> we can do it. Yes, we can. <laughs> uh, this is good. It's It's got the gin in it. I like gin. Mm-hmm. I don't... I, I it's taste... It's not like too sweet. <laughs> you know? So you're saying this is... Jeez. I can't. I can't. The joke, it just, it's just... It's never ending, that joke. Mm. It's not too blue curacao. No, it's you not. Know? It's um, it's it's a little heavy on the Saint Germain. I think I'd probably it could use gin in it, it could use some egg whites. I Is think. that what it's supposed to have in it? No. Oh, geez. But the egg white would change its mouthfeel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah but... <laughs> well, okay. Well, thanks again, everybody, for coming out here and joining the conversation by leaving a review on iTunes for the Ham Radio Crash Course podcast, and or emailing Leia at Leia at hamtactical.com. Leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts will help the Ham Radio Crash Course reach more hams and future hams, or the ham curious, as I like to say, and we appreciate it. So we do have one review over on the iTunes, and we appreciate that review. Well, thank you. Thank you. As long as it's a good one. Yeah, it, it's you. a good one. It's, it's informative. It's a comment on one of the podcasts, and it's it's a it's a good one. So uh, it is from KE5ADX, so thank you for going on thank the iTunes. You. or You know, you can just bring up the Apple podcast and, and do the review that way on the website uh, for Apple. You don't have to, like, install iTunes anymore, I believe, so that's good. Oh, Yeah, so if handy. that's what was holding you back, guys, you don't have to download iTunes. Just go to the, the podcast on the uh, iTunes website there. And it's titled Calm Line. Okay. And he says, or they say, having been in the military, communications color is always orange. Same with the tech comm industry today. That is why you see orange lines and flags. Oh. And I am familiar with seeing orange lines and flags. I do appreciate that comment. Um, so, yeah, there you go. I think that... Is we, in reference to the thin blue line the thin blue line thin red line mm-hmm. um all those so this would be a thin orange line well let i i wanted to class clarify this a bit the switchboard operators or the the first responders who are on the you know the what do you the dispatch line okay. the dispatch side of the house gotcha. their color is yellow that has nothing to do oh. with the practical colors in comms equipment and comms lines Oh, you see what I mean? There's a difference yeah. there, right? There's a color people associate with to a group of people, and then there is a color that, like, no, this is orange because it's all comms equipment and comm lines, and that's important to dis- to have a distinction with. So, yes, I, I appreciate the comment. I do appreciate the review, so thanks for leaving it over on iTunes. I guess then it's not surprising that your favorite color is orange. That's right. See how that works <laughs> Okay, so then... Thank you so much for that iTunes review. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So moving on to the next segment, Leia. Segment. 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 Leia, what have you been using this week? What have I been using? The Baofeng, right? Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Actually, I just have like a really hot tip for people who are in Southern California or maybe like across the U.S. I don't know how. She's waving a hand in the air like, <laughs> like to the larger we, the one hand wide open move where you start in front of you and open yeah. wide. So, yeah. So this is something I didn't know mm-hmm. that you could get until recently. And it has to do with my birthday weekend and all of the lobster we ate. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is a hot tip. Yeah. Okay. So if you like lobster. You got to like lobster, though. Yeah. Or the next tip is. Or you're having a party or something. Lobster fans, listen up. Of, you know, with people who also like lobster. Anyways, <laughs> you can get about a dozen to 15 mm-hmm. cull lobsters. And a cull lobster is basically one where the claws are either uneven or, or it might just a claw. be missing mm-hmm. a claw. So it's not uh, it's not supermarket or regular retail market sellable. Right. Uh, but you can get 12 to 15 of them for about $100. That's less than $10 a lobster. Isn't that's that insane? insane? Yeah, the, the, it's a it's a sweet deal. And they're not, people may not agree with me, but I'm not a fan of large lobsters. Yeah, they I are. I think they're not as good as a medium size to smaller lobster. I think they have better meat. The texture's better, personally, just yeah. in my experience. But they're Canadian lobsters. Oh, never mind. So they wow. got a little bit of maple, you know, no. maple syrup <laughs> flavor to them. But it's actually. They apologize when you put them in the, oh, the boiling no. water. <laughs> Just the nicest lobsters you could meet. That's right. Uh, but what's really great is if you're if you have like a large gathering and you wanna you wanna make it special or something like that, mm-hmm. like a hundred dollars for twelve to fifteen people is a pretty good deal. I guess you gotta be like clear that the in the invitee list is not the type of group who'd be like, Well, there's a why is there a claw missing? Where's my other claw? That's true. You That's know, like true. not a pretentious group. Yeah, because it's still really good lobster. I don't really have fussy friends. I don't have fussy friends. I don't have fussy family. No, you don't. You do not. So that is a hot tip. Very good. That is a hot tip. So me, it's it's all radio equipment. Okay. Uh, Again, man, I think I've mentioned this. I I know I've mentioned all these a few times, but a couple of items that I haven't. The Kenwood THF six is still one of my favorite radios. If you end up finding one, they're definitely discontinued, but really, really good. That radio is pretty much always connected to my little Moby-linked TNC3 that mm-hmm. is a KISS-based um, protocol TNC with Bluetooth capability. So you can connect phones, laptops, and my little Lenovo tablet. And so even after my APRS video, I was still doing WinLink with that thing all week or catching up on emails because normally I just do uh, WinLink on HF. But I was just doing it with Packet Radio. It was super, super simple and fast because Packet is, you know, faster than on HF generally, unless you have a really good connection. Um, my Yesu FT5, I've been loving that thing. So I've been playing around with that, talking around on Simplex and some repeaters. And again, just just playing with the APRS. I took it out when we did the, uh, when I did the pod activation down in Seal Beach. Oh, and I guess, yeah, by the time you hear this, that video will have dropped. So make sure you go check that out. And then the video that's dropping, I guess, today, the day of the podcast, is I've been playing around with a Geochron. What's a Geochron? So a Geochron is eh, about a two, two and a half feet 
um, diagonal square <laughs> box, okay? Okay. At least this is the traditional Geochron, okay? And it's it's got machinery on the inside. And so what you see is a map of the Earth, and it's just kind of like there. It's kind of moving, right? Okay. And in the middle is the sun kind of, you know what the sun lines look like? Have you seen that before? Like, have you seen no. the sun, the sun phase? So look at me while I'm explaining this because it's not going to make any sense. There's kind of like a, a parabola, okay, right? and there's light in the middle, and then everything else is dark, okay. And that's the day-night cycle. That's always like that. Oh, you know, I have seen that. Right. Yeah. So yeah. this this physical box is timed and it has motors in it that will actually rotate the map behind this mm-hmm. light structure. They're very expensive, like upwards of three thousand dollars. For, for a decent one. And they come with different wood trim and little different decorative, um, you know, fittings that they have on it. Very, very nice. Very nice. Well, they started making a dongle that has like a computing body in it of some kind that does the same effect, but on a television or a computer monitor. Okay. And the advantage of doing that is that it can leverage the internet for more information. So now, not only do you get the day-night cycle, but they can overlay maximum usable frequencies over the entire Earth. It can show you where active DX is happening, actually paint the lines on the screen and show you where people are making contacts. It shows you... Well, that makes things so much easier. Yeah, it's super cool. And uh, they have the orbits of FM satellites and linear satellites right on the screen Mm -hmm. so that you can see the path of the satellites at any one time. And you can even show your log. There's an earthquake tracker if you are so inclined. There's like an active confirmed COVID cases (laughs) map that they can overlay. So you can just fill the map up with all this crazy stuff or not. You can just (laughs) reduce it down. So mine is solely focused on ham radio, primarily um, the maximum usable frequencies and the FM satellites. And so I've been playing around with that and the video drops uh, today. So make sure you check that out. Anyway, very, very good. Well, with that said, Leia... Do you have a preparedness corner this week? I do. By the way, we're, we're still looking for a drop for preparedness corner. I don't know what that would sound like, but that would be fun. So if you want to give us a drop, uh, lay at hamtactical.com. Maybe it's a sound clip from Tremors. <laughs> do, you, do you remember many sound clips from Tremors? No. I just remember the scene where it breaks into the, the gun room mm-hmm. and they just, uh, is it Bonnie Raitt? Bonnie Raitt? Or, or is it Reba McIntyre? I don't even remember. I think remember. it's Reba McIntyre. Ends up just, they just blow the, the tremor away. I believe Reba would do that. I think it, <laughs> I think it might be Reba McIntyre. Okay. Anyway, uh, drop at layathamtactical.com or hoshnazi at gmail.com. That's the fastest way to get it to me, Who who's actually the podcast producer of the whole thing. So it's probably easier to just get it to me. But anyway, well, co-producer Leia. anyway. What's that? Co-producer. Co- anyway. Co-producer at the least. <laughs> so yeah, go ahead, Leia. So this is inspired by the fact that we had a freak thunderstorm oh. last night. And I have not seen so much lightning in the sky Mm-hmm. As I just, it was illuminating blue, you know, it, mm-hmm. really fantastic. But actually, lightning can be very dangerous, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we're telling the kids, come you inside. You don't say. We're telling the kids, come inside. I was stay. running out with a <laughs> selfie stick, taking yeah. pictures of myself <laughs> in the background, which if you caught that on my Instagram story, if you missed it, I posted it on the um, Ham Radio Crash Course Discord in the Ham Memes chat. Okay. 
people were like, how long did it take you to get that shot? And I'm like, about two minutes. And I got like six of them. That's yeah. how much lightning was dropping. Yeah, and it went on for a long time. I mean, for California, it went on for a long time. How long yes. do thunderstorms normally go on? I'm I'm assuming you just open an email can of worms by, uh, <laughs> by mentioning that, but I'm assuming hours, if not all day. All day. That would be really scary. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to go and find out what you should do, according to the CDC. Uh, Don't get hit by I- lightning. <laughs> Pro tip from the CDC. And the article is titled, When Thunder Roars, Go Indoors. So that's easy to remember. <laughs> okay. So catchy. So catchy. So the... No, I, you know, I think that I'm glad they went with the second one. The first one was uh, go indoors, or sorry, when, you, when thunder roars, grab your drawers. Oh. <laughs> That's like, hold on to your butt. Uh, you got yeah. it. Yeah, I set you up for that one. I'm glad you got it. All right. Very good. Because I was going to have to do the punchline of my own joke, and then that would have not been as good. So nicely done. The CDC actually wants you to know that Florida and Texas oh, yeah. in 2020 had the most lightning I, deaths. I totally wait, had the most lightning deaths. Do they have yes. a number? I'm, I'm laughing. That's not funny. Florida is considered the lightning capital of the country with more than 2,000 lightning injuries over the past 50 years. Okay. Okay. Good. I needed the time scale because if they would have told yeah. me like a 10 year period, I would have been like, that's insane. <laughs> 50 years is, is, is a decent amount of time. Yeah. 2,000 is a lot. That's still ridiculous. But, but the average okay. number of deaths per year in the United States is 27 from lightning. That's... That's a lot. That's a lot. It is. I think so. I wonder if they say like how people die. Weather literally killing you. That's. I mean, actively. Yeah. It's <laughs> right. So not here's like the wind list. blowing anything. Not like that. Like literally, boom, lightning. So really, they really want to drive home that you should not be outdoors in a lightning storm. Yeah, I, okay? I, can, I can see that. Yeah. If you're going to go somewhere and the forecast calls for thunderstorms, don't go. It's essentially oh. what okay. they're saying here. Uh, find a safe and close shelter. Safe shelters include homes, offices, shopping centers, and hard top vehicles with the windows rolled up. Don't be a fool and roll your windows down. Don't flip the rain off. That just angers the storm. Okay, there's apparently also a rule related to lightning okay it's called the 30 30 rule okay after you see lightning start counting to 30 if you hear thunder before you reach 30 go indoors suspend activities for at least 30 minutes after the last clap of thunder okay so the lightning and thunder close together apparently a big issue do you know why why Speed of light versus speed of sound. Oh, interesting. That's why as the times get closer together, that means the storm's like right overhead. Oh, interesting. Okay, so if you're caught in an open area, find shelter. Uh, Crouching or getting low to the ground can reduce your chances of being struck, but does not remove you from danger. This is the grab your drawers moment. Mm -hmm, This is why this mm -hmm. was the first option they went with, yes. If you are caught outside with no safe shelter nearby, 
the following actions may reduce your risk. Mm -hmm. Immediately get off elevated areas such as hills, (laughs) mountains, or peaks. Get out of trees specifically. Okay. Yeah. Never lie flat on the ground. Like I've heard that. I've actually heard bending over is actually a a way to... Right, because you would think if they're saying get close to the ground, laying down... No brainer, right? That's the closest to the ground you can get. I can't get, I dug a hole yeah. <laughs> is the only way to get closer to the ground. You're supposed to crouch down in a ball-like position with your head tucked and your hands over your ears so that you are down low with minimal contact to the ground. Sure. So you need to be low, but also not touching the ground I'm assuming a having a good pair of shoes on probably helps too with rubber soles. Never shelter under an isolated tree. Never do that. That is I'm, true. Yes. I'm going to bet also don't shelter near an antenna. This is that all I, Boy Scout. The CDC like, didn't bring this up. Cub Scout handbook is screaming at me yeah. in my head right now. <laughs> Never use a cliff or rocky overhang for shelter. Mm-hmm. That seems like a good call in case... You know, it literally strikes yeah. the ground above you. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Immediately get out of the way and away from ponds, lakes, and other bodies of water. Mm-hmm. So don't be in water during mm-hmm. a lightning strike, mm-hmm. right? Because water will is conductive, right? Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> it depends, but yes, I guess more than some things but stay away from objects that conduct electricity such as barbed wire fences power lines or windmills That's... it doesn't mention antennas huh so we're good no but i'm telling you antennas are included we're good. No. just put a ground rod in before you activate a storm Lightning, Stay. lightning storms on the air. That's the new. <laughs> don't do this. That's the new extreme don't, sports thing. Don't, don't do this. Nobody don't do, do this. this. No, don't no, do nobody, it. I'm not. <laughs> Stay away from concrete floors or walls. Lightning can travel through any metal wires or bars in the concrete walls right. or flooring. The rebar, yeah. Okay, there are also safety precautions Which is, indoors. Le- did you know our slab concrete floors probably full of rebar? <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. metal pipes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do? Well, let's find out what you should do when you're indoors, because we would be indoors. We're all just standing in a in the porcelain tub. Yeah. <laughs> Avoid contact with water during a thunderstorm. Do not bathe, shower, wash dishes, or have any contact with water during a thunderstorm. Mm-hmm. Lightning can travel through plumbing. I think there's also been people who are talking on the phone landline phones back okay. in the day holding the you know wired receiver to their ear and got mm-hmm. hit oh mm-hmm. but just wired phones yeah i mean cell phones are fine yeah well i don't know if i can do the dishes anymore because just, I just, in, never, just in case i just never know when there's going to be a thunder we have like one of the lowest chances of lightning <laughs> in the- avoid using electronic equipment of all types Lightning can travel through electrical systems and radio. What? And television reception systems. Yeah. Avoid using corded phones, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Corded phones are not safe to use during a thunderstorm. Plus also... cordless and cellular phones are safe to use. Plus, get out of the late 1900s. (laughs) Get yourself a wireless phone. Avoid concrete floors and walls. 
Do not lie on the concrete floors during a thunderstorm. Avoid leaning on concrete walls. Again, lightning travels through metal wires. They're and, really? Yeah, or So cars. they're saying that because straight up people have been like chilling, laying on their floors <laughs> and just gotten hit. Oh my God. I can't even imagine. So basically just so get I'm in fully bed. Aware. I'm fully just aware. Get in bed. Lightning strikes are rare. I get that. But I was a little shook yesterday. Just get <laughs> At in first bed, it was cool. Uh, the The wind was blowing, and I was like, "This is such perfect fall weather." I know you're really into I it. Wanna, you're like, "I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling like a, a pumpkin spice latte right now." Uh, I was like, "I want to hold a hot mug with tea with two hands and mm-hmm. call myself Joanna." Right. You know mm-hmm. that that kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I I know it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like every stock footage of a woman. Yeah experiencing something in a mug yes holding it two-handed i tried to wear a sweater today I, that <laughs> cracked me up so much You're like what's the weather like and i was like 68 you're like sweater weather it is and i'm like dog it is still not sweater what sweater weather <laughs> so i put on a big turtleneck <laughs> <laughs> literally it was one of those like sloppy turtle what do they call that where it's like extra neck like a it wasn't a cowl but it was... What are you, Batman over here? What are you talking about? A cowl. <laughs> a cowl neck is kind of a slouchy neck. But this was this was actually a oversized turtleneck. Okay. And I walked the kids to school and I got home and I was like, this is too hot for sweat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told you that. I have no concept of the temperature. I'm like, it's not in the 70s? So cold. <laughs> I am freezing. It's also not in the 70s? It's too hot. <laughs> That's... <laughs> Every, that's, I got a, I got a ten degree swing. That's all I got at me. All right, so that's the preparedness corner. I am helping you avoid something that is very unlikely anyway. I mean, two thousand people, even in fifty years, is, is a pretty decent amount. And we're talking like people who died. Hey, Josh, did I tell you that uh, Mercury is in retrograde? Oh, get out of here! Is Jupiter in my wheelhouse? No. I have no idea. I saw Jupiter over the weekend at the at your Thursday party. Oh, with the that's right. No, telescope. you saw Saturn. No, I saw also <gasps> Jupiter. Wow. I saw both, but Saturn was the better showing that night. Like you it could was literally. Unreal. So I think um, it was the Cassini Cassini disturbance in the ring, and then you could actually see the outer disturbance. It was that detailed the reflector he had, even in the the crazy light pollution we have. It was really impressive. Yeah. Uh, so we have a friend who is an amateur astronomer aside from the imagine me but astronomy (laughs) (laughs) we got along very well (laughs) he and he has a mead telescope yeah which is that that thing is so powerful it probably is something that is commonly found in national observatories not that one but it was very good yeah and so he also has some light filters on it Anyways, yeah. when I looked through it, mm-hmm. I it literally looked like a picture of Saturn. Yeah, it straight was up. So, like, it, was it was so close. It was so good that we were like taking pictures with our phone. He has yeah. a camera mount for the eyepiece, but you know, still, it was it was mainly there for people to go take a look. You know what? He shouldn't stand out there in the thunderstorm with that, though. We should tell him about this. I don't think it's got much metal in it. It does have servo motors to maintain the balance point mm-hmm. and all that. So I think he doesn't leave it out there. Well, he does, but not in a, in a thunderstorm. I don't know. We should still warn him. 
Yeah, when I was driving home, (laughs) I I was driving home literally with uh, lightning, like, crashing pretty closely by. And it started when I was already, like, I don't know, eight, ten miles on the journey. And I was like, wow, this is actually not great. What did you do with the antennas on your car? Well, I'm rocking. I had the antenna set up for 40 meters. So it's an extra (laughs) long piece of wire. And I'm like, well, it's an electric car, man. And it's an electric car. (laughs) I don't know that increases my chances. But so I I, I did drop the antenna down to six meters, although I don't know that that necessarily helped me out much. But it did reduce the overall length of the antenna electrically. But I don't think lightning cares. It's like, hey, I'm crazy. I notice you've got some metal kind of high up. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's also not like high up necessarily. Like lightning is... I don't want to say indiscriminate is the wrong word, but like lightning will do what lightning does. It's not like, you know, that that Ford Raptor is higher up, so it's going to be higher likelihood of getting hit. So, you know, what's really interesting to me is that uh, so 27 deaths is a significant amount uh, for something that's supposed to be unlikely. But I feel like every time I bring up a lightning strike, somebody around me mentions the time that they were almost struck by lightning yeah so there must be a ton of close calls and you know what i i would love to hear about it i mean <laughs> email e- me at leah at hamtactical.com and tell me about how lightning almost got you yeah because it's not like the bolt doesn't have to go through you for it to hurt you right. like you can be in close proximity to it and get hurt still mm-hmm. right that could still be a painful thing you have to experience, right? So it, it, lightning is not like a one time it hits you and then you're right. done or it has to hit your antenna. No, not at all. It hits close to your house and it'll pretty much fry your radios. How close? <clears throat> I don't know. Again, I, it's not like... It's you not don't like know lightning a, science? No, I don't. No, <laughs> at all. And I'm not going to pretend I do. But it, it's fairly well understood that even a close strike not on your antennas, I, I, you will know, still I, blow your radios. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody in uh, who is listening or is already an email tower correspondent mm-hmm. is a lightning expert. <laughs> because we have so many experts and just such big brains in this community, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, let me know. Like I watched lightning abduct a person. What? Just stole them. Straight stole the the person. Like beam them into the sky? I don't think that was lightning. Oh, is it aliens? (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Was this in New Mexico? It was. (laughs) That was a very good preparedness corner. I hope people got a lot out of it. That means it's time. I hope you're ready. It's time. Here we go. What's happening? The staircase has changed, remember? Let's go this way. Before the staircase moves again. That means, that sound means we've walked into Leia's <laughs> correspondence tower. Where yeah. will the journey take us this week? Well, Let's find out. Who knows? I think I have... An email that I might have missed last week. How does how does that work? It's a new podcast. You're saying it was a, the the actual final email was it? 
No, it was wasn't. It wasn't sandwich. the final. It wasn't the final email, but it was sorted into a different mailbox. Mm-hmm. The sorting hat you're saying put mm-hmm. in a different email. For box. some reason, it thought it was a sales promotion. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, was, this email talks about blue pills a lot. It was. <laughs> it was titled not hot garbage. So I'm not really sure how the email filtering system works for Google. That's exactly what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somewhere I can buy not hot garbage. <laughs> That's the spam letter for me. How did you know? How did you know? How did Amazon know? That's what I was looking for. And this is from Mark. Leia and Josh, I'm currently working my way through the September 17th episode and have to say I couldn't agree more with the sentiment that movies so badly screw up the concept of what a hacker is. Yes, it's one of my favorite things because it's such a joke. That being said, I wanted to make you aware that the UI uh, that appears in Jurassic Park is in fact not heart garbage. It is a real thing. Everybody, so I went on a little deep dive after last podcast, looked into that a little bit. The system that deployed this UI was not really commercially available. And when in in the numbers that it was ever deployed is so small that there's no way, and I'm throwing a massive generalization out here, there's no way that there was a young child experienced it. Well, Like Ellie from Jurassic Park. Well, Mark says, Silicon Graphics, SGI, developed a file system manager, Mm -hmm. rather creatively named File System Navigator, as as an experimental 3D navigator for non-physical data, file systems, stock market behavior, etc., for its IRIX operating system, a Unix variant. Although it was never developed into a fully functional product, it did exist at least as proof of concept. In the movie, you can actually see the SGI logo on the workstation that Lex is working on. The use of SGI workstations isn't that surprising when you consider that industrial light and magic, ILM, used SGI almost exclusively to generate the effects for the movie. That being said, I'm pretty sure the 3D navigator that we saw in the movie Hackers was never a thing. I was wrong. Ellie is the doctor, the botanist. (laughs) So everybody stop with the feverish typing on the emails. (laughs) It was Lex. I apologize. You're right. But don't get me started on all the things they got painfully wrong in that one, although I still really love the movie. Oh, I love the movie. And the book is amazing. The book is like one of Michael Crichton's best books. Uh, I think he's talking about Hackers right now. Oh, I'm still interested. Hackers. Okay, sorry. Great soundtrack. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the soundtrack from Hackers. Because it had Underworld in it. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, man. It was (laughs) You and I have a very different music background. Oh, yeah. Your and I's background is very different. I remember the first time you made me a a burned CD. Yeah, you were like, this is gar- this is hot garbage. <laughs> this needs to be spammed to somebody. Quick. I think it was folk music. <laughs> I think it had some in there, yeah. No, I think it was the whole album. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. 
<laughs> well, Mark You're saying off. you don't like folk music then? No, it's fine. It's fine. You put on like Jason Mraz. I like Jason Mraz. That's why I said it's fine. I was actually like giving you good folk music. You're like, oh, I just want to hear Jason Mraz. I want to pretend like I'm standing out in the rain in a lightning storm. I also like Jack Johnson. Yeah. So. I get it. That yeah. entire genre of music. A is, dude with a guitar. Yes. Yeah. I, I got some, it. Some, uh, what, John Mayer. Also very good. I mean, not like as a person, but like musically very good. Uh, John Mayer on Chappelle's show. Very good. Very Very funny. good skits. Yes. Some of the best. Some of the best things he's ever been involved in. <laughs> not music related. <laughs> no, it is because he's playing guitar. Right, but the talent wasn't the music to you. It was the self-aware mockery. I, I know that he's a good musician. I'm not <laughs> fighting that. I'm just not my jam. Uh, so Mark signs off. Uh, thank you for all you do. Mark, not allergic to bees. KI5 thank you, Mark. MVP. Good to know. I think there just needs to be a shirt. One that says allergic to bees and another one that says not allergic it's to bees it's just a checkbox that's just no two different shirts uh, <laughs> you just every across course podcast <laughs> i am allergic to bees that's what it says <laughs> there you go just, there's a, a shirt safety, idea it's a safety shirt it's a safety shirt to tell the bees the be- correct <laughs> it's like don't sting me I'm allergic. What about the illiterate bees? I could, <laughs> I could make the shirt where you're not allergic to bees a color that attracts bees. <laughs> it's only it only comes in the color that attracts bees. Yes. And then the allergic to bees is a color that repels bees. Good. Okay. Good. I, I like where you went with this. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> It's just, it's just the the whole shirt is just flowers, yeah. <laughs> just flower print. It's got pollen coming out of it. It comes soaked in pollen. It doesn't come in any other way. Some bee pheromone, <laughs> whatever the queen bees give off. I print on demand. People are like, "What the hell is this? <laughs> would you, would you tell people you're gonna make?" <laughs> What's what's the uh, royal jelly? Literally, how 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 expensive is royal jelly? You want us to smear it on the <laughs> on the shirt? All right, thank you so much, Mark. And royal jelly is so wet. <laughs> what? Is it is it moist? <laughs> For everybody who hates that word, thank you. Yeah, you're so welcome. You're so welcome, everybody. <laughs> All right. The next email is titled Comments and a Couple of Questions. And this is from Vic. Hi, Leia and Josh. Recently, Josh made a comment that maybe we listeners don't enjoy both of you as much as we do Leia. Not true. What What did I say? I think you said you weren't delightful, and I assured you that you definitely are a delight. I'm not delightful. (laughs) I think you're delightful. I think that's the only way we could be married for this long. (laughs) Didn't you? Someone (laughs) delightful. 
you could both do a podcast alone and it would be great. Would love to hear more of Leia's family survival story, but together you guys are sizzling. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. You are both naturally funny and communicate very well. Well, thank you. Oh, that's this is so nice, Vic. You're really you're really brightening my day here. You could easily take over Mystery Science 3000. Wow, that is high praise. That That is is the best compliment for people who just talk to each other. Oh, my goodness. Although you you have seen me get down on some movies where I'm just like, what? Like when you flip my switch into fully disconnected from a movie, it's on. (laughs) I am very good at suspending disbelief because I just want to be entertained. Like I need to disconnect Show mm-hmm. me something, uh-huh. anything, even if it's garbage. I think it's hilarious. But I'm that way with the Food Network. I will sit and watch the Food Network and Law and, and Order just, and uh, any just of the, razz on everything that's happening. Any of the Housewives shows? Yes, yes. That is a great joy of watching the Housewives. It is not just kind of the straight. mockery of what's happening they're saying all the things i was gonna say about them i literally only watch housewives to get to the last two to three episodes where they're just all screaming at each other (laughs) wow that's great you used to watch uh what is the the show america's america's got talent is that what it is yeah america's got talent that's what it was called yeah the singing one yeah no is it Oh, no. No. It was a... It was on Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. But it would... Is it American Superstar? No. <laughs> we're going to get... Don't email yeah. us on this one. You know what we're talking about. But your favorite part of that show was I always it, the beginning. I watched it and the first couple care, episodes and then I was done. Not at all. <laughs> and that's a better way to do it, honestly, because you didn't have to suffer through a whole season. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, you just watch the, the, the people who... And it's so American Idol. American okay, Idol. See, I, I, I was I close. Google it. American Superstar. I was very okay. close. I have, okay, it's horrible, but there's some kind of schadenfreude in somebody who just really believes they're good at something and they don't know that they're not good at, at it. See, and this is where you and I horrible. differ. It's horrible. It's bad, but oh man, it's, there's something about that. I don't know. I don't know. This is where you and I differ on this because I feel like I watch those people and then I just feel bad. I feel bad that they're having their dreams dashed. I feel that too, but I also enjoy watching cringe. Like I watch some of the cringiest things ever. Like I watch really cringy stuff. You should really get behind. But you did love The Office and The Office is all cringe. I mean, you should really get behind the last two to three episodes of any Housewives. I have watched them with you, <laughs> and I agree that that is the best part of that show. Yeah. Like, they took all the American Idol goodness from the beginning that I watched and moved it to the back. So you have to wait or watch yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. So you got the context, but I'm not going to watch. Yeah, I'm not going to watch that. What's amazing is uh, the Beverly Hills Housewives has Erica Jane in it. Who, who is, is she's married to Tom Girardi? I don't who is, don't know who that is either. he is the attorney that um Aaron Brockovich worked with. Oh, and okay. then he recently was charged with embezzlement. Oh, 
and he's he's losing everything essentially but he was embezzling from his class action oh yeah clients like he would get a massive settlement yikes and then not distribute the full yikes yeah share of the settlement and that was featured on i want to say hulu or something there's an entire there's an entire documentary on it oh yeah you watch that yeah yeah yeah, yeah, i remember that yeah but you you, (laughs) when erica jane first starts on the show she is so filthy rich Mm -hmm. that you're like you're not like dubai rich (laughs) you're you're california rich. calm down how are you doing all of this turns out embezzlement and you get to i feel sorry for whoever the attorneys were that had to sit down and watch every episode to detail how much of her possessions actually needed to be taken forcibly taken So this is a weird crossover. While I was editing that Geochron video, Mm -hmm. uh, which is today. There was a Housewives map you did overlay? It was um, a YouTuber who ended up figuring out how to tap into the closed circuit cameras in an Indian scammer shop, (gasps) like computer scammer shop. What? And I guess this guy, this guy must be a forensic professional or something like that because he figured out the PayPal accounts. And was Is able it Kit to, Boga? No, it's not Kit Oh, Boga. it's the other guy. There's like, like a British two guy. major guys He's like on a British YouTube guy? that it's do not it? The guy, it's not the Mormon guy from Utah who does like the, yeah, the, no, the no, pieces no, no. where he like actually recruits people to do good things in their community. Um, no, he, he figured out how to record the closed circuit cameras. Mm-hmm. And then figured out how to track some of the payments of where they were getting their money. And from screenshots he saw on on the screens, because the boss's camera was like pointed oddly. Right. He was able to determine that like in a day, in a day, they were making $14,000. What? Yes. Like, well, this is an entire floor? Yeah. Some days are better than other days, but one the one day that the guy was talking about they made fourteen thousand dollars that's a lot scams. in rupees that's a lot in rupees oh it was crazy and this it's literally like a youtube documentary this guy makes it was amazing i want to watch that yeah it was, it was very impressive but good yeah. segue from tom girardi the crook yeah could you imagine being the the lawyer that was featured and Aaron Brockovich as bringing justice to this community. And then at the end of your career, it turns out you're just a crook. What does Aaron Brockovich say about all this? That's the person I would want to get the hot take from. I don't know. She I don't think she was in the documentary. I don't think she was in the... The person who brought the case to him, I think, was. Okay. But not her. Hmm. And he actually scammed somebody, a client that was brought by one of his employees, too. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. I know. That's real dirty. Victor, continue, <coughs> excuse me. Vic continues. That's why the podcast is such a joy to listen to every time. And no, Leia, you do not laugh too much. Oh, thank, thank you. you. I do try other non-ham related podcasts, but it's like a lesson in suckage. A team wow. Of, <laughs> a team of valley girls talking about makeup for five minutes 
before the subject of the podcast comes up. Too many duos of dudes chuckling like Beavis and Butthead over almost everything they say, struggling to be clever like anchors on the nightly news. Others that have good content, but you can tell by how they stumble over pronunciations, timing, and the flow of words that they are reading a script they have never seen before. Wow. Hot takes, Vic. I'm curious what he's listening to. (laughs) Josh and Leia, you rock podcasting. Thank Thank you. you. And Vic actually has something radio related. Oh. A couple of quick questions, Josh. Is a 5G tower near the shack a problem? I see one going up across the street. Also, oh, let me let me pause there because the next one's going to get you very excited. (laughs) So. Okay. Uh, 5G probably tower. not. Okay. Why? Different frequencies. Okay. And I, I mean, again, if it is affecting you and 5G has, well, because hmm, hmm. I would think it- I'm going to go with probably not, but he's, he also didn't mention what radio he likes to play. So I okay. don't really know, but I'm guessing no. Well, Vic is planning his next gift from Santa. I see 705 or Yesu FT891. I'd like to get out in my truck and get out of town and away from noise. Okay. I'm leaning towards the FT891, but what do you think? I'm using the Shegu G90 now. If it's a mobile radio and you're going to mount it in your truck, because all his words make me think mounting in the truck, right? Is that kind of how you read that? Yes, okay. mounting in the truck so to then, get away from noise. So then, yeah, go with the FT891 because you get 100 watts. All right. Well, I don't like the menu experience, but it is going to give you more power. So it's a bit of a all right. It's what you have to live with. <laughs> oh, you could go. You could go um, IC7100 if you are planning to just only mobile it. Heck, you can go IC7100 because then you get. You get two meters, seventy centimeter, and HF, and it's um, an ICOM-based menu system, so it's better from my point of view. I do like the ICOM operating system. Yeah, I mean that is one thing that they do very well is that they have a consistent UI. And I'm telling you, man, I've been saying it for a long time. Even though you're going to get better and better radios from here on out, it's always going to be human experience. That's going to be the key factor, a hundred percent. Is it because the UI makes it so easy to navigate or is it because the system also automates a lot of things you would normally have to cobble together a different solution for? It's it's more the former versus the <coughs> latter, but for radio, oftentimes for me, people may be different from me, but I will always go with the more con- the more e- the more fun to use radio than the one that puts out more power. Huh. Okay. I, I do keep the FT891 in the in my leaf, um, but I really just do simple radio things with it. I don't do digital modes. I don't do anything more complicated than that because it's that's that's a frustrating radio to do that with from my point of view. Okay, well, Vic signs off. You guys are the best. Seventy three. It's Vic. Thank you so much for the wonderful, yeah, wonderful compliments. Nice, nice words. Thank you for the compliments. Appreciate and it. And I hope that answers your questions. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> The next email is titled Random Thoughts and Survival Content, 11 Meter Correspondent. And this (laughs) is from Drew. 
Leia and Josh, greetings and welcome to the thoughts you've left planted in my head over the past couple of episodes. Josh, you mentioned Unix being a clunky command line system. I don't feel that's clunky. I just, I actually, in some ways, it's more efficient. You've already been told that what you thought was fiction was actually IRIX. I'm here to tell you that IRIX may have been the best example of what a modern operating system should be that there ever was, and to relate a sort of cool story. For several years, I was in possession of an SGI Indigo 2 workstation. I fell in love with these things in the mid-90s when, as a bit of a party trick, an SGI sales guy pulled one out of his car at a party, set it up, and started demonstrating it. It was in an area, an era where PCs struggled to produce a box of full motion video large enough to actually be able to see what was going on. Mm-hmm. He first displayed full screen broadcast quality video, then shrunk the video enough to put it on a cube on screen and started rotating it. And the video played seamlessly on the various sides as they rotated into view. Yeah, Silicon Graphics logo was a cube. Next, he made the video opaque so you could see the video on all six sides of the cube at the same time and tell it was, uh, until it was all playing smoothly. I was astounded. Naturally, 15 years later, when someone offered me an Indigo 2, I couldn't say no. The catch was I had to acquire and install a fresh copy of Irix because he had to wipe the hard drives for security reasons. I was able to get my hands on a copy of Irix and install it with no issues and was surprised to find this unit had the top of the line graphics cards installed. I asked the previous owner what had been used Uh, what it had been used for and why he had to wipe it. And he told me it had contained DOD only libraries and had been used as part of the rendering farm for the military's prototype Black Hawk simulator. I can't confirm this is true, obviously, but the previous owner's credentials make it very possible. They would have crushed it if it Okay. If you uh, okay. If, if you ever get the chance to play with an SGI system, you simply must. I so I, I've used silicon graphics machines before, but not for that purpose. And I'm not I don't want to go back and retread everything I've said before. You're you're talking to a like that's a very specific group of people that either use that professionally and very even smaller group that used it as like a hobbyist. Those are very expensive computers back in the day, like insanely expensive. All right. So I'm comparable to what today? I don't know of something that's comparable to that today that you would use it like in a, in a business environment, unless you're fully decking out some crazy uh, computer. Actually, now I take that back, but they're probably like large data movers, like okay. huge data storage with um, extremely large. Um, ethernet adapters could you buy a bunch of sgi systems yeah and then Mm -hmm. use it to mine crypto no you wouldn't do that either because the power efficiency would be point it it would not it would not be efficient enough to to make any money the power would cost too much than the crypto that you pulled out of it have you ever seen those devices that you just hook up to your wi-fi and they're supposed to mine crypto for you yeah and then 
They're not efficient. Are they a lie? No, they're not a lie. They make crypto, but it's more expensive to power them than the crypto that they make. Okay. Well, I should cancel my order then is what you're saying. Particularly with the cost of our power. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, they may be profitable. They're just not profitable where we live because of our power costs. You always have to consider the cost of power. It's just a straight money making exchange. So if you had a, if you had solar power, maybe. Probably not for what they draw to be worth it. Okay. You're talking about pennies. Drew continues, Leia, it sounds like you and Josh take turns stalking the quote unquote studio with drinks. Based on some of what you have both said, I have two recommendations you may or may not have tried. The first is Captain Morgan and Cream Soda. We've had it. This is, it's a fantastic idea, especially since I have so much cream soda left. Do you remember when we had it for the first time? No, when? Las Vegas. We did? Some guy behind us was like, have you ever tried Captain Morgan's and cream soda? And I think the other thing he said was Captain Morgan's and Mountain Dew. How many Long Islands was I in at this point? It was, it was, it was before (laughs) children, so you tell me. Because I don't remember this conversation. Yeah. This may be more of a Josh drink, as I find it a little sweet, but more Captain and less soda makes it less sweet. Be warned. It's it's very easy to end up with a lot of Captain chasing not too sweet. <laughs> yeah. My other recommendation may be more your speed, gin and ginger. Simply gin and ginger ale. This is not too sweet, but the ginger ale really subdues the gin. Try with some Red Rock ginger ale if you can find any. I've never even heard of Red Rock ginger ale, so I'm not sure I'm going to be able to find it. This reminds me, my own ginger ale recipe is still under construction. I found the not too sweet point of honey in the mixture. Now I think I just need to double the ginger from where I last tried it, which is about double what the original recipe called for. I promise I'll let you know when I have it right. Hmm. I do like the flavor of gin. That's probably not good. Like I can just kind of sip gin. It's so botanical. People... Yeah. It, yeah. Well, well, let me be really clear. I can probably sip Hendrix. I'm probably not going to do that with like bee feeders. That's too strong of a. Mm. It's it's supposed to be heavy. Um, Hendrix though is a lighter gin. Hendrix so whimsical. No, I mean you know what I'm talking about, right? It's more mm-hmm. of the cucumber side than the juniper side. Yeah, it's really that's good. True. Yeah. Josh, two, no, three quick things for you. Oh. Then survival. Oh. Do you actually know how funny your crochet frog joke was? I didn't know if you did or not. <laughs> Just in case for anyone who missed it, frogging is what crocheters call when you have to rip out something they've already stitched. I had no idea. Second, you mentioned Jamoka versus Jamoka almond fudge. That's real. I just don't like nuts in my ice cream. <laughs> then you're the only person who's eating Jamoka, and you're probably eating out of like a five-month-old container at the her office. I, I, um, I can make a joke here. Like, they go in and they scrape the ice off of that thing. It sits for so long. Yeah. Jamoka is like, dude. I was going to say, I don't like nuts in my ice cream either, but I do love Rocky Road. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah you do. I do. Nothing There's, against Jamoka. I'm just saying, let me be really clear. There is very few people who eat Jamoka versus Jamoka almond fudge. If you can even find a basket oh, of that has Jamoka. 
He has a good solution. My favorite Baskin Robbins, a scoop of Jamocha and a scoop of gold medal ribbon in a cup. Now, gold medal ribbon that, is a hot ticket. Oh, that, is, that sounds good. That, if I'm going chocolate, like that is the one. Gold medal ribbon is one of their best ice creams. Gold medal ribbon's not chocolate, is it? I thought yeah. it was vanilla with fudge chocolate. and caramel swirls. Yeah. Is there not I, chocolate in it? Is it a chocolate ice cream base? I thought it was a vanilla ice cream base. Anyways. I, I support it either way you're going if I'm wrong. It's been a while. It's been a long while, actually, since I've had. Uh, we should have some Baskin Robbins this week. Not the cake, because I think we've established that that's not an ice cream cake. It is cake a la mode. Yeah, there's totally chocolate in this thing. It's in yeah, like a fudge ribbon. It's a, No, it's a choc- It's chocolate ice cream. There's no fudge. It's oh. caramel, chocolate, Chocolate ice creams, vanilla flavored with caramel ribbon. There's vanilla, chocolate, and caramel. That sounds really good. I'm going to have some ice cream tomorrow. (laughs) Jeez. Okay. Finally. God, you made me feel like I'm crazy. (laughs) I'm like, I freaking work there, man. Don't make me feel like I'm going nutty. Because oftentimes I'll trust you. Like, I'll just go. I'm like, she's probably right. Why would you think I was right about ice you cream? You sounded so confident, but I mean, like that's our game. Like we just out, we try out confidence each other on. Like, and then when we make declarative statements. Thank like, goodness oh, the internet exists. That's right. Fact checking. I've got this. Like I have many boxes around me at any one time that provide all the answers to stupid <laughs> questions. Drew says, finally, I agree Gandalf would win, but I was completely unaware that he was immortal. I figured that simply because Dumbledore would just die to make a point. (laughs) Damn. I like it when people who like understand the lore, they're like, (laughs) they're like edgy about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, so when, when I mean immortal, he just keeps getting whatever form of reincarnation that is like he doesn't really die they just keeps he just keeps coming back what count what happened and like after he level gandalf up. the white i don't know gandalf the gold <laughs> gandalf, gandalf the, the silver. fabulous gandalf the bronze <laughs> like what are you <laughs> you're just all over the periodic table of elements with that one <laughs> gandalf the copper <laughs> <laughs> okay where do you go from white I don't know that he has to go from white. Oh, he doesn't have to level up when he reincarnates? We don't know necessarily if he... Anyway, keep going. I haven't read anywhere. It could be like top tier. Like white could be top tier. That's racist. I I didn't write the (laughs) books, man. The truth continues. Survival. I'm going to give you some background to make a point. Several years ago, my wife and I almost lost our son. Oh no. Oh. I'm I'm so sorry. That's that's like my worst nightmare, actually. That's, I know you like, like you clutch your 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 non-existent pearls right it's now. It's triggering. He became very sick for no apparent reason. We live near a very well-known hospital with a pediatric practice that is supposed to be second to none. They ran quickly every test on him that they had available. I can't even remember how much blood they took, how many things he had to drink for different scans, etc. Their conclusion was that he had IBS and they wanted him to take peppermint pills and go to counseling. Wow. In short, as my teenage son wasted away 
to a point where we could count all of his ribs, almost all of his vertebrae. The medical establishment had nothing for us. We tried a little of everything, but food journals revealed no patterns, and every suggestion we had came to nothing. In an act of desperation, we went naturopath, who identified dairy as the culprit. We wondered how this could be, since all the standard dairy tests had been run and come up negative. Some kind of hormone. But we were willing to try anything. After cutting all dairy, milk, butter, anything baked or cooked with milk or butter, really learning to read the ingredients, he started getting better. I'm happy to report that my son is healthy, taller than me, and in college, managing his own diet successfully. So what was the problem? Casein protein. Ah, casein. Which brings us to what this has to do with survival. I've been amazed how many packaged survival foods contain dairy derivatives. Yep. Obviously, that would be a problem in the event my son needed them. As such, my recommendation is simply an example of why people should learn to produce their own survival food supplies. That way, you know what is in them and won't fall ill due to some unknown substance at a time when your health will become one of the most important things you can have. That is a really good point. Yeah. And that's a, uh, that protein, I believe, is kind of one of those things that lingers on stuff you cook with. Yeah. That, you kind of have to like get rid of it completely. Right. Kind of like how gluten kind of sticks to things. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Man, Drew, I'm so glad you figured out what was going on with What a trying situation. That must be very insanely stressful. It really speaks to how dedicated you and your wife are to the well-being of your children, too. Oh, for sure. Because a lot of parents wouldn't go through the trouble of trying to figure out what else was wrong. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if you see a kid wasting away in front of you, not like, you know, an immediate traumatic thing, but like literally slowly getting worse and sicker. You know what I mean? Like people would they'd lose their minds trying to fix that problem. I, I think, think most people have that. I don't know. Eh. I don't know, actually. Okay. I mean, some people do blindly follow whatever the medical establishment tells them. Much I mean, there are people who blindly follow quacks. Well, here's your leeches. Give them bad. What was that woman who told people to drink? Like, Jilly juice. Yes. And people near died from that. No, no, people died from that. But they were like afflicted with cancer. And she said that was the holistic solution to it. Sure. But. <sighs> Literally drinking toxic levels of salt. Well, lots of respect to you and your wife, Drew, Yeah, for good being job. relentless about getting answers. Very good job. Well, Drew signs off. Josh and Leah, thank you again for hours of education, entertainment, and laughs. Keep it up and stay tuned for more news. I think I've determined a point in the future when I will be in a town where ha a ham club will be having exam sessions while I'm there. Excellent. I feel confident in my tech material. Now, if I can just get comfortable with general. 73, Drew, a.k.a. Trailhound. All right, Drew. Thank you. Good and luck on your your tech hopefully and maybe your general, general yeah, too. Why not? I'm excited because well, Drew's going to go from CB to ham radio. Which, I mean, CB's yeah. still great. Keep Keep enjoying that, but you know, why not add ham radio to the mix too? There's yeah, no and, reason not and to. thank you for convincing me to go to get some ice cream tomorrow. 
That was it. That's, That's all it took. Yeah. Gold it's going to be a happy day. Okay. <laughs> Enjoy the chocolate ice cream and the gold medal. <laughs> The next email is titled CW class. And this is from a totally different Drew. Oh, okay. Okay. Totally different Drew. Hello. In my hometown, my Elmer and I have been teaching a beginner CW course for the past few weeks. Wow. Well, thank you for doing that. That's very nice. After building homebrew oscillators during the first class, our format is a short lesson followed by breaking off into pairs to practice. Cool. Then I give homework for the next week. We are approaching week five out of eight and have learned all the alphabet numbers and common pro signs. We still are going to cover sample contesting and casual QSOs in the weeks ahead. Good. I have invited the students to a nearby state park to play POTA and see an activation in person. Other than that, do you have any suggestions for how to end the class with a with a nice dit dit? Hmm. Boy, this is a good question. I was like, give everybody a key, but oh man, keys can get really expensive. Why not get one of those DIY kits where you build a key? Well, that's not a bad idea because there's a lot of 3D printed keys now. Mm-hmm. And they're fairly inexpensive. You might be able to do that. There's a ton of projects online that you can make workable keys out of. Mm-hmm. The 3D printed ones are probably the better side of that. That might be fun for them to assemble their own key and go off with it. Um, I know that from a 3D printing standpoint, the iambic paddles are probably going to be more prevalent. You're going to probably see more of those than, than straight keys. So I don't know exactly how you train them. Um, yeah, there's a couple of things. I mean, you can always go with pixie kits too. Pixie kits, um, the four states QRP cricket. That might be fun. Uh, do a four states QRP cricket build with them. Those are inexpensive kits and they actually will walk out with a, with a pretty good, very inexpensive radio. Well, I was actually going to suggest, why don't you put something out mm-hmm. um, to your local ham club and there see if go. they'll all get on the air when you have your last class mm-hmm. so that they can kind of have a large amount of contacts by CW. That's good, too. I like that. That yeah. would be really And fun. doesn't require buying a ton of kits. Well, I would assume that everybody would chip in. You know, you're 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 not talking sure. that much money for these kits. They're they're really inexpensive. They run off like nine volt batteries and stuff. They're and actually, if you did that with the if you built all the kits, because um, you could do it in a class depending on how long the class goes, and if people are semi decent with soldering, they shouldn't have a problem with it. You should be able to get through that kit in an hour, maybe two. Yeah, that could be. And then you could actually make contacts with it. They could connect it to an antenna and and talk to the people in the club. Yeah. Yeah, that could be good. And then also maybe you have them design their Kiso cards. That's an idea too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of ways to go with that. That's mm-hmm. a good uh, yeah. couple of really practical ideas there. All right. And Drew signs off. That's Drew K9HMX. Thank you so much, Drew. Thank and you, Very Drew. cool. An eight-week course in a CW. That's pretty fun. Uh, the... Uh, I, I'm actually going to pause really fast oh. because around the time that 
that these emails were going out, I received a birthday gift from volunteer podcast co-producer Rob. Yes. Who gave us those uh, dog cow books, Mm -hmm. Hank, Hank the dog cow, I think. Anyways, uh, Ben immediately took them from me Mm -hmm. and started reading them voraciously. So thank you so much, Rob. I love anything that gets the kids reading. Oh, yeah, that's a winner. Yeah. And I'll sit down uh, with Edison and read them to him, too. Thank you very much, Rob. That was was incredibly generous of you. Thank you for doing that. Uh, Oh, and actually, so I sent Rob a quick thank you email. Is, Is this email from Rob? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is that what we're leading into? (laughs) So Rob suggests that you take me. Yes. Okay. The family to Huntsville because, well, he he actually also wanted to thank you and I for um, the time and effort we put into helping the hand community. Oh, thank you. Which is very nice. Thank you very much. You you definitely deserve the bulk of the credit i oh thank you yeah <laughs> appreciate that the bulk of it like like 51 percent. yeah <laughs> like, i mean i, I, I <laughs> said like the controlling chair owner of yeah that. <laughs> rob says it has to get annoying and frustrating at times um a, a little yeah <laughs> a little. she's being honest <laughs> yeah but I definitely, yeah, you know, I know, I know I've said it before, but Josh is so passionate about getting people into ham radio and helping people navigate all of the joys of ham radio that it's hard not to support him in something that he loves to do so much. Thank you. You know, I so, appreciate that. Um, so as annoying and frustrating as it can be at times. <laughs> Like, okay. Where, where, where did Josh go? Oh, he's on the roof. Why is the electricity out? <laughs> is it a power outage? Obviously not, because all the neighbors seem to have their lights on. It's a mock disaster scenario. <laughs> Work the plan. Work the plan. You got cell phone. You got internet. Work the plan while I hunt RFI. <laughs> the kids like doing it. I give them flashlights. They run around. It's like, is this RFI? I'm like, no, son, that's a book. Yeah. Is this RFI? That's a broom. It, I guess it depends on the amount of energy coming off of it. It's a walk. It's it's hot, but no, it's not <laughs> RFI. Rob says, I just wanted you to know how much you and Joshua appreciated. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. I definitely felt appreciated. Well, Rob says... Encourage him to take the family to Huntsville while he's playing radio. You can go off to the nearby Arab Alabama. Oh, Arab. Sorry. Arab Alabama, which is famous for outlet malls. While he plays radio, you can shop for purses. There you go. And we I mean, we still want to go to the um, the aerospace museum there. Yeah, that's where Space Camp is, by the way. Actually, I think um, as we have been talking about the cruise um, off and on, uh, and that's, you know, on hold. I actually think that Huntsville might be a good location and time to do the cruise. So you could theoretically go to Huntsville Hamfest, then travel down to uh, whatever Alabama's port is. 
oh. to hop on a cruise. So it would then be like a, a four day cruise or something. Mm-hmm. And it would just be a week long vacation. You would go to Huntsville. Yeah. You will already have whatever radios you want to bring. Or maybe you buy some radios at oh. Huntsville Hempfest to take on the cruise. Like a boat anchor. It's a boat. <laughs> it brought a boat anchor. And then, you know, hop on the boat, mm-hmm. head back to Alabama and fly also out of Alabama. I appreciate it. it's a ship. I'm just making a joke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So nobody, no maritime mobile people <laughs> come at me. The only problem with that is I, I don't know if the ports of call from what I've seen of what cruises out of Alabama, mm-hmm. I most of the ports are in Mexico. So it's kind of that section of... Um, oh, okay. So it's and I don't know kind if of there's what we recipro- call a booze cruise. I don't know if there's reciprocity in in those areas. In Mexico, there is. There is. Yeah. So you'd be able to operate. A, I think at, there is. There's something close to it. Okay. But I don't know, and and you're not really. And you're not on. You're not really not getting into international waters. It's not iota anymore either. Right. Yeah. Because it's not islands. It's more like peninsulas on the air. Which would be confusing because you'd be like Poda, but you're not at a park. Mm -hmm. You're on a peninsula, Mm -hmm. you know? All right. Well, thank you so much, Rob, again, for the email and for the gift. Okay. Thank you very much. The next email is titled Shirt Idea in Question. And this is from Adam. Adam, if you don't remember, is our, it's our correspondent who is in Coog's territory. Ah, yeah. yes. <laughs> Leia and Josh, hope all is well in SoCal. Up here in the Pacific Northwest, the weather is starting to turn, which means I am having to turn back on my RFI generators, which doubles as heat providers. Hmm. Okay. Oh, do those heaters, space heaters, create a lot of RFI? Some probably do. That's a bummer. Hmm. Okay. This led me to a shirt idea. What about a stick figure holding a Yagi with headphones on and text reading, amateur radio operator, professional RFI hunter? I think this is doubly appropriate because hunting season is upon us here shortly for modern firearm. And I know a few folks who have already gotten a few mule deer during the muzzle loading season. Wow. Is is Washington just lousy with deer? Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to think. Probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, lousy is probably the wrong term, but I'm assuming they have like a certain number of deer that have to be taken every year. I do remember when we were in Minnesota and we were we driving are bird, around. We we passed bird season a little bit, but yeah, the opener for that was last month. In Minnesota, do you remember when we were driving through that neighborhood and the park had like a family of deer? No. Yeah, it was in uh, in Tony's mom's neighborhood. Okay. And it was it, what's interesting to me is that there are areas of the country where there are just these little ponds mm-hmm. and then there's housing developments around them. And I can't figure out if they're man-made ponds or if they're just pre-existing ponds. I assume most of them are man-made. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. But I assume they're man-made. I mean, it's the area that has thousands of lakes, though, right? That is true. Minnesota might be the exception to that rule. Yeah. Yeah. But that area had a lot of deer. I, I was 
possibly the most sleep deprived I've ever been in my life going to Minnesota. Well, we were. It, it most of Minnesota feels time. like <laughs> a fever dream that I like, ha, like it's wavy in my memory. Like it, it's, it's like, it feels like a dream sequence when I think about. I also feel that it's very dreamy, but not for the same reasons you do. No. I, I have really fond bar. memories of that tiki Minnesota. bar was cool. That was probably my that and the arcade that had all those pinball machines. I really liked going to a Vikings game. That was very they were impressive. Great seats. They were right on the center line. Mm-hmm. And the the tailgating. Yep. That's the only time I've ever been tailgating. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen such a massive, inviting, happy party and just walk past police officers drinking and nobody cared. Yeah, nobody cared. Yeah. <laughs> it was like Vegas, but sports. And then uh, having the Juicy Lucy. But there's a really great uh, modern art, art museum out there. Near one of the universities. Cherry on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was fun. I do remember that. And then, you know, obviously going past the Target headquarters really made me feel happy. So that's. (laughs) Okay. The aura of happiness. Uh, Yeah, the Tiki Bar and then really the Juicy Lucy was. That That was was really good. That was fantastic. There's there's really good food out in Minnesota. Sure. Yeah, I, I am still a little confused at, as why cheese curds are a side dish. Like fried cheese curds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like that the cheese curds are a replacement for fries. Yes. It's a, it's a large amount of fried cheese curds that show up and you're like, wow, okay. Uh, first you're thinking, is cheese as cheap as potatoes out here? <laughs> it, it, it always reminds me of that joke. It's still one of my favorite stupid like, hey, would would you like to eat four string cheese sticks? And I'm like, no, that's that's too much. That's too much string cheese. I, I don't want that. What what if I what if I battered it and fried it? <laughs> would you would you want that then? Like, oh yeah, no, yeah, I could have some of that. That'd be great. But before my hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> That that just always cracks me up. I don't know why. Mozzarella sticks are just a poor version of the greatness that is fried cheese curds, though. Oh, yeah, I agree completely. Now, I am not talking any smack on how good cheese curds are. They are fantastic. They are so good. I love them. I I absolutely love them. And they just don't squeak the same out here. Well, that's the thing. That's the problem with poutine, too, that you get down here. The poutine, the cheese is wrong. Yeah. It's just, it's not this, it, it's You can it's buy melty. cheese curds out no, here. They're just not right. Yeah, no, yeah. they're not, they're not the same. I mean, they're probably closer than what they try and put in, what they call poutine out here, which is not poutine. I do have a very strange love of uh, the middle of America. That's it's starting with Minnesota. <laughs> I really. Right on. I do love it. And okay. then, you know, also obviously Ohio. For Skyline Chili. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. And I guess Texas would be considered the South, but... The South of the middle of America. Yeah. Okay. I also have a lot of love for Texas. Right. <laughs> and that's, I mean, nothing against the East Coast. The East Coast is fine, too, but I haven't spent enough time There's just there. so many states out there. 
There's just, there's just so a many bunch states. of little countries that are united. The little, yeah, there were all just like a little, little bunch of countries that are united. Yeah, yeah. we're rising and falling together. That's it. <laughs> That's oh, buddy. <laughs> Adam continues, Josh, do I have a question for you? I have an Alinko DR-135 with the Argent Data System Tracker 2 board in it. uh, And it was needing to reprogram it. This was gifted to me. So I ordered a cable from them to go from USB to serial. Long story short, it doesn't work. I gave them a call and they were super helpful and told me they have gotten some spoof chips in that may be causing this. Oh, no way. Okay. My question is, is there an easy way to test to see if that's the case? They didn't really elaborate much and just dropped me a new one in the mail. I would just like to be able to test that in the future instead of burning other people's time. I mean, the, the best thing you can do is just do a visual look at the chips and see if they look different. Oh, so but if you spoof a chip, wouldn't you go through all the trouble of making it look the same too? Well, okay, so good point. So the term that is getting thrown around a lot these days is counterfeit chips. Mm-hmm. And it's actually becoming a, a huge issue with large companies where major brands are charging people more to guarantee that the chips are not counterfeit. Oh. Like the major manufacturers of computers or whatnot. Like they're going through a special process to actually suss out if the chips are counterfeit or not. Hmm. And sometimes it's a requirement. Like it has to be done or else the chips are not accepted. Like they cannot go into any equipment at all like it's it's actually a very interesting time for that there are people who are making careers out of it basically it's pretty wild that's really terrible honestly yeah it, it, it well that's so yes. despicable yeah 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 of all of, of all the types of counterfeiting you can do i mean i think really low on the chain is like like counterfeit t-shirts or stickers or pins and then you get all well, the that's way like, up into that's this. like copyright theft right Right. like just straight up a logo that we're just going to rip off and and print it and ship it right this case is you're particular you're you're specifically making chips that look just like another chip the problem is is what the these counterfeit chips do in in his case it failed like immediately it was doa right it was dead on arrival Mm -hmm. you couldn't do anything with it some of these chips work exactly the way you expect them to work But there's a term, um, it's an industry term, it's called mean time between failure. And there is a calculatable rate in which you expect there to be a failure in which you will have to service that device. Okay. And so that's why you keep something called spares, um, hot swappable boxes that you can swap out or actually crack a case and swap a piece out. That all becomes a factor of a product line. Right, whether right. it's a commercial product line or well, whatever. Well, plus you're warranting the product, Correct, right? right. There's a service that goes along with, and, and that calculation of what the service time costs, the technician, all that is all a factor of this. So, yeah, it, it's a really interesting time for that. In, in your case, um, what you could probably do, see, the problem isn't so much what you can read off of like, um, if you're if you're testing for logic or if you had um, a tester and you're going after the ICs and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. 
the problem you're going to find is not that they're going to give you errant readings. They might, and that might be a very easy way to tell. But the it's the it's the usable lifetime mm-hmm. because often these chips are close enough that they pass the smell test, but over time they fail. That's even worse. Well, that's the yes. That's that's the word. That's the problem. That's the big problem. So it, it's a it's a like I said, it's a very interesting time for that. Interesting to people it's, that it's find this worse, interesting, but you know, it's worse because it pushes then that cost burden onto the consumer versus leaving it. Well, yeah, with, and it, it's one company. of those baked in doing business costs that you know large companies that use this equipment have to deal with, right? If they deal with it. Well, yeah. I mean, ultimately they will, um, particularly if they bought deep in a product line for sparing, mm-hmm. in which they just swap out. And all of a sudden they're through half of their spares in a couple of years, and that was supposed to last like 10 years. Right. Or whatever, right? right? Whatever that number is. I'm just pulling numbers out of my head. Yeah, so it, it, it's a very interesting thing. I keep saying that. Um, but I find it interesting. I don't know that other people do. I also find it interesting. Yeah, so I, I don't know how to answer your question. Again, I'm not a double E. Um, I'm the. I'm more on the management side that's looking at the numbers of this kind of stuff. And, and yeah, it's, it's a big deal. So, Well, maybe if somebody's listening and has experience with these spoof chips and real chips, you could email in and answer Adam's question. Yeah. Adam signs off. Thanks for all you guys do. 73 Adam WA7 CUG. Go uh, Cougs. Oddly enough, I um and thank you Adam, I appreciate the email. Uh, I pulled up the Ardent data or yeah, it's it's Argent or Argent. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. They sell that board for $85. But if you buy 5, it's $75 a unit. That's a $10 drop on a chip. Wow. And and it's the you know it's not a chip, it's the whole body with the USB port and, mm-hmm. and the uh, connector into the DR135. So pretty interesting. That's uh that's a pretty serious drop in price. I'm wondering if they're kind of like I don't know, the signs on the wall here. I don't know how long <laughs> this business is going to go for cuz the DR135 has been around for a little while, so um but it's a money maker for a Linko cuz it's a 2 meter it's a two meter radio body that's really good for packet radio and other things like that. So that's why they sell a lot of them. I know HRO, that's their primary radio that they recommend people use for packet. By the way, right. if, you, if you want a good TNC to go along with that, go with the Cantronics. KP3, uh, it's the, whatever the current model of the Cantronics KP3 is, it has a USB-B port in the back and that's what you're looking for. Sometimes when you rattle this information off as a by the way, I'm just astounded by the the sheer ham radio knowledge you have floating around in your head. Well, thank you. Like just a a catalog of money suck. Oh, yeah. Just- <laughs> I'd argue I have a lot of that rattling around my head for lots of things. <laughs> thank you so much, Adam, for your email. Sorry we couldn't answer you better. That's a... That's tough, though. And now we have we all have a new fear: spoof chips. <laughs> well, counterfeit chips is the the industry term. All right. The next email, long title. Wait for it. 
The interim email while I continued to procrastinate on interacting with knowledgeable adults regarding a response to an email story sent a few months prior and other ideas not expressed in an email title already long enough to be vulgar. (laughs) Is this from Nathan? (laughs) No, it's from Gabriel. Okay. Good evening, Your Excellency and Royal Test Passer, on occasions of Her Highness's choosing Leia, and third rogue of the modern sort, Josh. Well done. Those Those are great. Those are great. Great titles. Thank you. In the beginning of your most recent podcast episode, Leia talks about metal foundries. Based on the type of people hams are, they're likely others who are more knowledgeable than I am about this subject, but I thought I might throw my two cents in just in case. I've been interested in blacksmithing for a long time, but just recently had enough disposable income built up that I could waste it on actually getting a setup going. So I've been learning a lot about that and metal casting recently, metal and melting casting recently. Okay. I think those are not the same thing. So I'm glad he's clarifying. Thank you. I think blacksmithing is actually so interesting as is glass blowing. I can't tell you how many videos I have watched of people making glass pumpkins in the last week. <laughs> oh, is that the where they actually put the glass in the pumpkin? There was a glass blower that did that where they put they carved a pumpkin and then put the glass bowl ball. I saw that one. And then blew that up. It was pretty yeah. interesting. It's it's so much talent paired with courageousness. <laughs> Dude, glass don't fool around. <laughs> glass is so like, and and I I bet glass blowing is one of those things where it kind of like tricks you to make you think like, hey, why don't you put me in your mouth? <laughs> and it's just like lava hot. Like there's no one, no no one is thinking that. Oh, okay. unless maybe you have pica or something. Yeah, you got to keep pregnant ladies away from the glass blowing factory. There are non-pregnant people with pica. Haven't yeah. you seen all the people who eat? Is um, it? Yeah, yeah. Like crunchy cornstarch. It's pretty common. Pretty common. Would you say in the non-pregnancy crowd? I think there are. I'm not saying there aren't. I'm saying I think there's a significant like, number. Everybody who does stuff like this kills the joke. You're killing the joke. <laughs> I just have to double down on the fact would, that it's the not joke, just pregnant Would lady. the joke be funny? It's like, what are we, just going to the glass blowing place and there's all these random people who enjoy eating <laughs> food things that sometimes are not what we call the standard fare for regular eating? <laughs> no, we got to keep the pregnant ladies out of here. It's a joke. It's a joke. I'm joking. I they know it's not They would never do that to hurt their babies. I, you know? They just, eat brick. <laughs> sometimes they eat brick. It's, it's a new... Nutrient deficiency, okay? (laughs) All right, well, Gabriel continues, Josh mentioned that charcoal most likely wouldn't be able to melt a lot of stuff, and you would need some fuel like Coke. Is that Mm -hmm. what you said? Yeah. Oh. While this is mostly true, I wanted to say that a well-fed with oxygen charcoal forge can get somewhere above... 1200 degrees fahrenheit which is enough to melt aluminum though not by much yeah but that's like a low melt okay yes i know where he's going i even a hot campfire can reach close to a thousand degrees fahrenheit without forced air correct i've literally melt aluminum cans in a uh, in a campfire yes so i'm i, I, I apologize for not being it. impressed uh <laughs> <laughs> melting aluminum <laughs> 
While society might or might not collapse within our lifetimes, I'd say the skill to work metal is incredibly valuable and can pretty much guarantee some means of income or ability to barter or trade. Definitely. And it's fun. This is this is what I'm saying. There are there are all of these skills Mm -hmm. that like bow hunting skills, bow staff skills. Mm -hmm. Girls Mm -hmm. only like guys with skills, with good skills. That's right, Napoleon Dynamite. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> there are all of these skills that people, you know, used in the past that were completely necessary that are now just enjoyable hobbies, like pottery. Oh, this is a great, this is a great point. Continue with this. Yes. I love this. I like, I really yeah. like pottery, obviously, mm-hmm. but... For it to genuinely be a survival skill to me, aside from knowing how to throw, which I do, I would need to really dive into this hobby right. and learn it from sourcing the material because right. I can't walk into an art shop and buy, you know, 30 pounds of clay to throw. Correct. Right? Yes. This is a beautiful point. This I, I don't think enough people make this point, but I know where you're going. Keep going. And... Then I would need to have a wheel that would be manually operated. Mm -hmm. And this goes back to my preparedness corner last week when I was like, go, go manual on a lot more things than, uh, than you would think. Don't always default to getting the gadget Mm -hmm. to accomplish something, Mm -hmm. because if you have no electricity, that is a wasted item for you. So where I'm going with this, and and you were you were there in the beginning, is that the economy of scale? If you're doing something to sustain your life mm-hmm. as a trade, yeah, and the level of efficiency that you have to achieve to to bring the product to market, mm-hmm. and then also the tooling of things that you use has to be a consideration because as hobbyists and things like pottery, glass blowing. And metalworking and the level of having a foundry that can melt metal, you have to consider how often can I use this foundry to melt metal? Can I use, can I depend on this if I needed to make a lot of things? Mm. I need to melt a lot of, of metal. Or is it something that um, I can use this 15 times and I have to rebuild my foundry or my crucible or whatever? I mean, I think that's okay when you're first getting into something. No, yes. But, I mean, this this goes back to my – this is actually a callback to the Ham Radio Minute about talking about the reliable and consistent communication of 50 to 300 miles. Mm-hmm. You have to have a level of mastery and understanding what goes into that to be effective in making that really reliable. That's just true. like That's if true. you were bringing, um, if you were just, all you did was there was an untapped market in the SHTF world, whatever, right? In this hypothetical environment. You're like, I need to make mugs. There's not enough mugs. Right. So I need a, an, a, a large source of material to have the clay to make it something that i don't have to depend on a depreciable asset like gasoline mm-hmm. and then also a reliable that's a, way that's a depletable asset i think you mean what did i say a depreciating asset no correct yeah, yeah. Depletable. <laughs> um depleting and then also i need a reliable way of firing this mug mm-hmm. to the point that it is still 
usable completely, you know, yeah. whatever. I mean, and I think that's one of the most amazing things about ham radio, right? Mm-hmm. The technology has come really far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in reality, if push came to shove and say all electronics were fried at some point right. and you had to build something from scratch mm-hmm. over the course of learning with your tech, your general and your extra, you theoretically have the knowledge to build your radio. No, I don't think no, so. no, I feel like it is. No, I feel like it's radio building information. <laughs> I mean, it is more than the layperson for sure. All right. But I, I would argue that I'm further down the road than sure. Than yeah, some course. folks that are fresh. Definitely than me. Their, I mean Yeah, and, and I'm not I'm not saying that there's not double E's who get their extra when, you know, they sit down for fun one weekend. But still there's plenty of things about electronics I just straight up don't understand. Like I would have to have a lot of books. I'd be reading by candlelight apparently, because there's no electronics, right? Mm-hmm. To figure all that out. And so that's just a question of like, do I want to learn that now when it's comfortable in this future hypothetical gamble where I may need to depend on what I know in my brain? I don't know. I mean, it's it's a very hypothetical, right? That's what I really love about the scouts. <laughs> it's oh, okay. This. All right. <laughs> Here we go. It's that. And I talk about this all the time, but. As, as Edison is now joining as a lion cub right. scout. Which was a joke we had yesterday of why are the little scouts the most aggressive animal? That's a no, that's what Edison said. He was like, wait a minute, why are you a wolf and I'm a lion? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <laughs> He's like, not wrong. Yeah. That's what I felt about the tigers. Because you go from like, initially the first one was bobcat, then wolf, then bear, then weebolo. Yeah, I feel like Bobcat is just um, once you prove that you know the oath. Yeah, they blow through Bobcat. But Bobcat was like Bobcat a stopping is just point. A, yeah, it's just a, hey, pass this test Bobcat, and let's you move suck. on. Don't you see I'm a tiger again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid Bobcat. I don't even see you. This is the most skittish cat in the world. <laughs> I, I love about Scouts is that... There are so many things where you have to make things from scratch. And if you go to a scout store, there are all of these kits for things that you make from theoretical scratch. Yeah, but they're right? chintzy. Those kits are chintzy. They're yeah, like but cheap. it still is, you then get the idea mm-hmm. of the kinds of pieces you need and how they go together to accomplish this. Like the crystal radio. That was a, that was a kit I bought. Yeah. But... All of those things can kind of be made from other things if you were in a pinch. Yeah, I could make a crystal radio. I don't have the schematic in my head, but I could definitely do that. That's not that difficult, but that's not really down the road we're talking here. And this is me circling back to the idea that kids should be in scouts. (laughs) Correct. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. And now it's co-ed. So there's literally no reason that any kid, regardless of gender, gets the experience of being fully self-reliant. Yeah. And gets in their head. It, it's the it's the mental it's the mental break from I can I think scouting is one way that kids can get to the point 
of feeling like I can do this myself. You know what's interesting is <coughs> that, you know, they say that there's um, most millionaires are made in one lifetime and uh, like one generation and lost in the next. Mm -hmm. And it has a lot to do with the fact that when you don't have a lot of money, you end up in the situation where you learn to make do with what you have and and forage to create the things that you want at a very young age. I feel like it's some kind of survival instinct switch yeah. that gets flipped in people's heads. Mm -hmm. the, the people who are very effective yeah something that they focus on and then make a ton of money off of it that's and i think that's one of the reasons that immigrants especially you see a lot of immigrants who come over here and they actually achieve wealth in their lifetime yeah, not, for not sure. a lot obviously i understand of course statistically we're talking about a small number but if right. you looked at those number and you looked at common traits i'm yeah. assuming that these traits would show up more than others but let's be honest like modern life and the way that for sure our kids mm -hmm. um, and many other kids, even in the worst of scenarios, there's there's enough resources. Like if a kid doesn't have enough food at home, well, the schools are going to feed them, right? Like right now we have free breakfast and lunch for all kids. Right. I don't know, it might be a federal funding that's doing that. Right. But that means that if a kid's not getting food at home, they're at least getting two meals at school, mm -hmm. right? And so Th you're, they could hypothetically survive off that. And I, I appreciate that some of the lunches are not all created equal. Right. But and I'm not saying that it's comfortable. But right. I'm saying that the the modern life that we live, there are so many resources, and even if you are struggling, you're probably much better off than the poorest people in a third world country. Oh, for sure. Right? Yeah. With, but in America, you have the economic flexibility to move out of the situation you're in. Uh, right? Yeah. What do they call that? Economic mobility. Mobility. That's yeah. the term. Yeah. And for kids that are luckily as comfortable as our kids, how do you instill that, mm -hmm. that self-reliant, I can do it, not only can I do it, I'm expected to do it. Right. And and it's a fun little thing you do because yeah. you get a patch out of it. You get to rank, you know, level up basically. Yeah, yeah. So you're self-driving this idea um, that you can do everything you want to do those things. And mm -hmm. I think Scouts is really good for that. Hey, Baden Powell had some ideas, I guess. Yeah, there are also Baden-Powell Scouts, which is different from what was formerly Boy yeah, Scouts of America. Yeah. But any anything that you decide to do in that arena, also getting just getting outside with your kids and doing the whole camping thing and oh, yeah. do without creature comforts, I think, also mm -hmm. helps. Uh, oh, no Nintendo Switch. Totally derailed you, Gabriel. So sorry. <laughs> Gabriel says about the title, I took a trip to New Mexico a couple of months back, during which my father and I attempted to summit Mount Wheeler. I emailed you and you guys were wondering about something. So I started to concoct a reply, though I got lazy and never finished. Maybe I'll finish that tomorrow. Yeah, I remember that. That was a that was a big attempt they made. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Good hike. Some random thoughts below. I do remember hearing about the director slash actor ex-couple who were kidnapped by North Korea, Leia. Mm. Did you see any of the movies, though? I actually want to see these movies. 
<laughs> the <laughs> movies that were created under somewhat duress, but an unlimited budget. <laughs> okay. That's And I'm also really into Korean entertainment right now. It was Octopus Game. <laughs> if you aren't watching Squid Game, you need to go watch it. Get Netflix just to watch this. <laughs> I, I will I will ride. say it's it's not gonna be for everybody because it's like it's emotional. It's it's pretty taxing on that front. I would argue that a lot of people are like, I just I just wanna have some fun watching the, the television. This you is, are faced with some emotions there for is sure. Some serious stuff going on. Yeah. Well, Gabriel says I like both Twizzlers and Red Vines equally. Good for you. They're just two different things in the same shape to me. Red vines are probably closer in taste to actual licorice, while Twizzlers are good rope candy. Also, best candy, cowtails. They're just so tasty. I think cowtails are caramel or caramel. I don't know what that is. (laughs) Every time I pronounce something wrong, (laughs) I just... Oh, it's uh, it okay. No, I've had this. Yeah, I've had this. It's like uh, caramel with a cream center. Oh, you know what? I think I might have had that in Oregon. Okay, but delicious. Uh, about the seeing what you read in your head, I do. It depends on how the book is written, but sometimes I can see it like a movie. I think more often, though, it's the experience in my head, like recalling a memory. Yeah. That is exactly, yeah, that's what it's like. It's like you're laying it in your brain, mm-hmm. and then you're going to see it later. Right. But, but for that, me, it's always wispy. It's like not a not a real memory. That is exactly one of the reasons that reading a book before watching a movie based on the book ruins the movie. You know what I mean? Well, other than the fact that you get upset about the things that aren't in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's why Why isn't Tom Bomba doing this? (laughs) On that note, though, uh, I'm also one of the number of people (laughs) reading Dune right now. I'm about 70% of the way through so far really happy with it. It's certainly a lot less dense than the Iliad, which I only ever ever got about 15% of the way through. I don't know if I want to watch the upcoming movie. Seems like it'll be fine, but I like my own idea of what everything looks like. Exactly. They pushed that on like football. Like they had a commercial on, on NFL for that. Did they? Yeah, they're pushing that real hard. Who's in it? I don't, I don't know. I'll watch it, but I don't know. Of course you will, because yeah. it's Dune. Because it's Dune. Yeah. Here's a book recommendation for everyone. Poilu, the Whoa. World War II notebooks of Corporal Lewis Barthes, barrel maker, 1914 to 1918. Is that is that a real recommendation, or is it like the Iliad? <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to take a look. And to keep it radio adjacent, Gabriel says, I still have not done any more radio than my previous emails. Read virtually none. I do want to report back on the electrical failure that befell my TX500. It took a few weeks, but I did get a successfully working radio back at no cost to me, fully covered under warranty. Hmm. The technician kept me updated along the way in which 
me mentioned that some of the delays related to my to getting my radio back in working order were due to needing some parts from Russia and a shipping and handling error that required them sending out an entirely new order of parts. So if anyone was wondering about the service from Lab 599, I'd give it a thumbs up. Yeah, and they and they actually have a service station in the United States. Oh, great. That's what he's talking <laughs> <coughs> oh, excuse me. That's what he's talking about. It seems like as production of radios continues, the speed of repairs will also continue to increase. Not sure how out of warranty repairs will be handled. Hopefully I won't have to find out. Well, I'm glad you got back a working radio. I don't know that the Lab 599 was uh, the like TX 500. Yeah. I don't know that that was a cheap radio either. It's like 700 bucks. Yeah, it's, that's quite a quite a price <laughs> well gabriel it's cheap for the qrp mainliners that's for sure gabriel. it's less expensive okay i mean in comparison to, it's a good looking radio oh though. yeah it's a it's really a super i would argue it's probably the best looking qrp radio it oh, looks yeah. like you know a super cool military radio yeah i mean you the only thing that's cheaper than that are the shegu radios and the uh, yesu 818 mm. everything else is more expensive the elecraft the icom they're all more expensive. Well, Gabriel says, thanks for all you guys do. Maybe someday I'll get back into doing ham radio. Well, I hope so. You got yeah. a fixed radio back. And that's 73, Gabriel, the oo-woo ham. P.S. I'm not allergic to bees. And this time thank I'm not going to make the oo-woo sound. So you can thank me for that, too. Okay. <laughs> the next email is titled, Happy Birthday. And it's <laughs> from... John Noco General. Mm -hmm. I heard it was your birthday. Hope your cake was from Carvel. It was. 73, John. It was from Carvel. I did get my first cake from Porto's mm -hmm. on Thursday, which, which was, was a good. fruit tart. Uh, oh, I had the other cake. Yes. The that fruit was tart. Helen's cake. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a Cuban bakery. Which we had for dinner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is amazing. It is Porto's fantastic. Is amazing. That is an empire. Oh, I yeah. remember when it was a little hole in the wall in either Glendale or Burbank. Yeah. It was on the same street as one of my favorite used bookstores. And it was get in line. Oh, like it, out whatever the door. time, get in line. It was crazy. And then they opened one that was closer to us in Downey, and that had a massive line. And I was like, oh, great. They opened another location. This is really going to alleviate some of the waiting. Nope. And then they opened one like less than 10 minutes in from us. Buena Park, right? Yeah. That one also has that a line. That one has a parking structure. Yes. And line out the door. It's Every insane. Time. It's insane. But they have an uh, horchata cold brew, which you have which today. Which was fantastic. So good. It, I mean, it was, it's sweet coffee. It, it, it's not black. It's not like a good, strong cold brew. It's it's like a mixed coffee drink. It was very enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Good afternoon beverage. Also, their prices are so inexpensive for what they sell. For I anybody think a potato who, ball is like a dollar or something. Yeah. So anybody who is ever in the area and you want to go to a place and you're like, oh, I'm going to In-N-Out. In-N-Out's fine if you've never had In-N-Out before. But if you want like a good local spot. Yeah. If like you that are is in Orange local, County. I, Porto's. Yeah. Porto's is where you got to go. It it's is close to Knott's so Berry good. Farm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. very close to Knott's Berry Farm. It's on Beach Boulevard. So you'll see it. 
It is so good. And get the potato balls. That yeah, is what potato you want. ball. Almost everything fantastic. they have is good. The, the potato pork balls, tamale today we found out the, is the tamale amazing. was insanely good. Yeah, the, one of the best tamales I've ever had for sure. Yeah, but thank you, John. My Sunday cake was from Carvel. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The next email is titled "The Worst Avenger." <laughs> Whew. Here we go. Let's Buckle uh, up. <laughs> let's see. This is. The battle for the worst and the best is very polarizing. Yeah. And this is from Preston. Greetings and salutations, podcast team. As I'm not a huge Marvel guy, I may be about to walk into a trap here, but here it goes anyway. I simply cannot stand by for further discussion of the worst Avenger without bringing up the wet blanket that is Ant-Man. I think it's a testament to his forgettableness that he hasn't been mentioned already. Unless there is some hidden power I'm forgetting about or some moral virtue I'm not aware of, I can't think of an Avenger that I would deem worse. Just a point I thought should be raised. Huh. Aside from the fact that Paul Rudd is delightful. Yeah. I mean, his whole shtick is just... Being Paul Rudd. Yeah, very endearing. Right. I mean, in, in Civil War, he got supersized, right? And that's what took out Rhodey because he just grabbed him and threw him like a toy. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And then it was because of him coming back in Endgame that they figured out time travel. Right. And, the whole, and he and can embiggen himself. Well, that was from Civil War. And make himself very small. Right. I mean, he can make himself small and he still like punches like a human. Yeah. I would argue he that. He has the strength of an ant. Right. For, he he for gets size. smaller, but he's still as strong as he was as a human, which arguably is less strong than an ant, by the way. Ants are incredibly strong. Like, they're stupid strong. And there's something about how he can dr- travel through the human body that gives me some real magic school bus vibes. It's all, the whole thing is a very nostalgic. That was like a meme. Yeah. <laughs> that he was going to hook Miss- up with Miss Frizzle and they were going to go up <laughs> Thanos' butt. That was like a thing. Why must out. you sully something so wholesome? That was like a that Why was a meme. Internet? Why? That was a meme. <laughs> Apparently you were right on the pulse of memedom because that was a meme. <laughs> I meant it in the most wholesome of ways. Well, not the internet. What does <laughs> no. the internet do that's wholesome that isn't an animal? Even the animals. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh I don't think I, Ant-Man I don't is think. the worst. I mean, at least he's way more useful than 13 arrows. Okay. I mean, a quiver full of arrows. Uh, I mean, even Black you, Widow's not that great. Actually, just, I think I think that she can she can fight and she has a gun. I like what do you it's it's still one of my favorite. The, Even together, when they, they do that still don't roundabout, equal a superhero. Remember in the first Avengers when they do that like three sixty camera thing, okay. and you got like the Hulk is screaming, Thor's like spinning Mjolnir, and Cap's doing something with his shield, and Iron Man's blah blah blah, and then don't blah 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 Iron Man, show some respect. But I'm getting to the <laughs> point of Black Widow's reloading a Glock. <laughs> Like, that's her move, was, I'm going to reload this Glock. It's, well, how many magazines do you have? Because I don't see you carrying 
You have no That's a ammo. Skin tight suit. Yeah. Lady. What do you What do you do? How many Glock mags do you have? Like, come on. I know. I think it was like a Glock thirty six or something. I can also load a Glock. Is <laughs> there's I mean, nothing super? Is that a super Glock? I don't know. <laughs> no, it's just a Glock. It's just a Glock. I mean, even her, she and Hawkeye together, their greatest contribution to the entire storyline was that they fought over who would die to get the, the soul stone. Damn. I actually feel that the argument for who is the worst Avenger is harder than who is the best <laughs> Avenger. Because I can see the argument for Tony Stark being the best Avenger. Yeah. I can see the arguments for Cap because I've, I've made those arguments. I can see the arguments for Thor, Hulk, et cetera, et cetera. Like yeah. I could see, and, and Doctor Strange, I get all of them. Yeah. But whew, when you start getting down there, it's like, you buddy like i don't think ant-man's the worst though he's got but he doesn't a pretty do a lot skill set he doesn't do a lot in the marvel movies i appreciate he doesn't do a lot in the marvel movies i feel like in the in his standalone movies, he does teach randall park that super cool magic trick that he then uses in wandavision Holy smoke. So I don't even remember that. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's the one, it's a card trick. Wow, that's and a really he... <laughs> esoteric poll. This is the kind of stuff I do. What's a, going on? You've got a Ant-Man. whole thing going on with Paul Rudd right now I didn't know about. <laughs> no, no, no. It's actually with Randall Park because support Asian actors. Right? Oh, okay. 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 So uh, when oh, Randall Park. Oh, is he Park, an Ant-Man? Yeah. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Okay. He, when he goes there, Ant-Man does a card trick where he makes a card appear. And then Randall Park goes back and goes, hey, how'd you do that, man? Okay. <laughs> and you, he doesn't show him showing him, right? But then later, oh, he does it with his business division, card. Yes. <laughs> A good, good callback. Yeah. So not good. the worst. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's okay. a super magic trick. I just, I, I don't dislike Hawkeye. I appreciate he's not at the top. He can't be. But he the worst. Okay. Paired with the hubris I just don't know. that is Jeremy Renner. Okay. Well, yeah, like, that's a lot. I of mean, that is a. But now you're breaking the sure the fourth wall. But I've already done that with Paul Rudd at this point. A little bit. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever seen the video that's a compilation of Paul Rudd dancing? No. Why would I <laughs> see that? Because he does it in a lot of Marvel movies, but he dances in an awkward way that. Imagine Elaine from Seinfeld <laughs> dancing. Now that but, I can see in my head. Yeah. Photographically. But it, but Paul Rudd is doing it in a much more drunken way. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's uh, pretty good. Okay. All right. Well, Preston signs off 73. Preston. Thanks for that, Preston. DLY. That was a deep dive on that one. All right. The next email is titled Preparedness Corner, and this is from Jeff. I grew up thinking that preparedness was a way of life. As a family, we never called it that. We just lived it. I learned how to be a blacksmith, woodworker, and be a general jack of all trades. I remember our home library was full of books, but ones I remember most are listed below from Foxfire books. Oh, Foxfire's legit. 
If you want to be self-sufficient, the series below is amazing, mostly because it's not about prepping, it is about living. Now that I think back on it, I'm also so glad I grew up this way. It gives me the confidence to try. Not trying is one of the biggest obstacles I see people run into, and they stop before they even start. Yes. That is life lessons yep. right there Yeah, I, oh, from shit, Jeffrey. Books. That's a... Yeah, and uh, and Jeff has included a link, which I will put in the show notes. And Jeff also has a t-shirt idea. Mm. Ham Curious to Fully Cured Ham in One Easy Podcast <laughs> with the HRCC logo at the bottom. Not sure if this is any good, but I tried. That's pretty good. I do like it. Yeah. Josh, Josh is smiling. So if we make this, you'll be getting one. Oh, yeah, we didn't mention that. If you have a uh, Ham Radio Crash Course merch idea and we make it, yeah. You will get one for free. True story. Yeah. And Jeffrey signs off 73, Jeffrey K1JDP. Thank you, Jeffrey. Oh, hello again, day two. How are you doing, Leah? Great. It was actually just seconds for everyone else. But mere days for us. <laughs> All right. Well, where did we leave off? Well, the next email is titled WE4DX Road Trip. This is oh. from HRCC admin and uh, Ham Radio Adventures. That's HRA. Founding, founding. Founding. One of the founding members. One of the founders. Ma yeah. As, as they say. Matt. And if you are somebody who likes to go on ham radio trips... I cannot recommend Ham Radio Adventures yeah. enough. They have a Discord. They got a website. Go check them out. It's uh, hamradioadventures.com, I believe. They are planning a trip to the Dry Tortugas, right? Uh, among many big, other things. Yeah, I believe the they're also going to trip. Costa Rica. That's uh, Well, yeah. funny enough, Matt says, Hi, guys. So I have found myself without anything to do until the 24th of the month when I fly to Costa Rica. Oh, there you go. That's going to be a fantastic vacation. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what is the uh, Pura Vida or is it there's there's some there's some saying out out in Costa Rica. You said Puta. Pura. OK. Yeah. Just want to make sure we're yeah. on the same page. Thank right? you. OK. I have decided to take a road trip from Florida to the Zion National Park area. I'm going to activate POTAs as WE40X all along the way. Try to do one in every state I go through. So to everyone, look out for WE40X. And if anybody wants to meet up, I'm good on QRZ. Leaving Wednesday the 5th, Matt, AE4MQ. Matt, Matt is a pro. So he's already on the road. Yeah. Matt is a Wait, pro Wednesday at getting the those. Cut. Yes. Is that what he said? Mm -hmm. Isn't today the 7th? This is a Thursday? Yes, he sent the email on the 4th. Yep. Okay. <laughs> but Wednesday was yesterday, which is the 6th. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure we get the months right. Matt also wanted to add in that uh, the RFI Hunter series t-shirt was mentioned in the after chat. Yes. RFI Hunter. Got it. That could be a good one. You know, like mm -hmm. a Rambo dude, like peeking through yeah. some, some leaves. Yeah. Did Matt mention it in the... I, I don't know. I don't remember who mentioned wow. it. Wow. Who, who will get the shirt? 
if oh, it no. is made. Yeah. All right, Matt, I hope you have a great trip. I love seeing all the pictures of Matt's trips. He is very good at documenting them. He is, and he's earned it, right? Because he's been in Louisiana for Oh, working weeks and his weeks. butt off. I mean. Yeah, nonstop. If, if you have somebody to all in gas for yeah. uh, keeping that area. Uh, keeping the lights on for, yeah, some exactly. of, for some of them, for sure. Yeah, that's Matt. All right. Have a great trip. I hope uh, it is wonderful, safe, and that you make tons of contacts, Matt. And make sure you try to make contact with Matt. That's got to be a pretty cool contact Indeed. to make. Yeah. yeah. I always wish I was home like during the week for hot <laughs> potas that pop up. Right. That I could just chase them and have have vicarious fun through their activation. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say that ham radio is, you know, when you when you're able to access the longer distance bands, mm-hmm. it's like traveling the country or the world without leaving your home. Yeah. Right. In, in, a, in a way. It's like meeting people on a sidewalk, but the sidewalk is the bands. Once they unlock Smell-O-Vision. Um, it'll really be onto something <laughs> but you get to just randomly meet people you know yeah yeah okay <laughs> the next okay. email is titled t-shirt idea and this is from ryan okay need something around the great facebook outage of 2021 and that ham radio still worked that's a pretty good idea when facebook goes down ham radio still works facebook instagram a bunch of them Right, everything Facebook touches basically got taken out. That day, that that 24 to 48 hour period mm-hmm. from the Pandora papers being leaked to the Facebook whistleblower mm-hmm. and then Facebook just going down and every then Twitch, global then Twitch had outage. a big leak the following day. This is a hot is, week for this is for technology. N- this is not a good time. <laughs> for some people, it's definitely not. Yes. I mean, it's definitely not a good time for the uber rich. <laughs> right? Right. This is the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world. What I'm waiting for is somebody to take out Elon. Take out's the wrong word. Okay. <laughs> oh, he's got to pay 120 something million dollars. For what? Uh, racial discrimination. Oh, my God. I mean, not he specifically, but. Tesla or one of his companies. Tesla or SpaceX. I don't know. The boring company. They're too boring there. <laughs> They're too boring to be racial. Who manufactures the flamethrower? <laughs> I don't know. I, I what, was, what subsidiary does the flamethrower come out of? So on my, on my never-ending joke, it's a joke, it's a joke, allegedly, uh, pursuit of painting Elon Musk as a, like, comic book bond villain i thought he of one is a modern day super villain i, I, I thought of one i thought of one that like I, I i need to add it to the list it's a regular rotation so if he actually does achieve any more satellites in space like starlink right that yeah we've talked about before and if any of them have some kind of catastrophic failure and they explode right Sp- ascending space junk in all directions kind of thing well if he's got an an appreciable amount up there um (laughs) he'll create a junk storm that would become so dense that it would basically strand us on our own planet what yeah i think it's a kepler effect i'll I'll look it up after i'm done saying this but there's this there's this effect that can basically happen if you build up enough space debris because of 
things colliding with each other, mm -hmm. old satellites, booster pods that are left mm -hmm. out in space, all that stuff. If enough of that stuff starts ran randomly crashing into each other, yeah. the, the debris that it will spray out will basically create like a never-ending belt that wraps around our planet. Of we like, could really have belters. Of buckshot. And that buckshot would prevent us from ever being able to launch vehicles into space because the second they got into that belt of garbage, they would be obliterated, creating more garbage. Wow. So we, we could. It's like is, the expanse. This is very much human nature, right? Of like, we're so eager to to advance our, 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 our species that we sometimes create our own worst nightmares. And this would be an example of that, where you have a situation where this belt of trash could literally strand us on our own planet. Isn't wow. that crazy? Well, then Elon Musk has to find a way to terraform Mars before his satellites create the Kepler belt, right? Uh, Ke Kessler syndrome. That was close. Kessler. Well, Kepler is a planet. Well, Kepler's also a, yeah, Kepler's a real thing. But yeah. anyway. Anyway, there you go. 1978, he came up with that idea. And that was back then he was worried about it. You know how much more trash we got up there now? Oh, buddy. <laughs> Space pollution. The final frontier. <laughs> what do humans do better than anything? Pollute. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get our trash up there fast. I'm laughing, but it actually makes me really sad. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the depressing idea, everybody. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, thank you, Ryan. And... O R M J. We will uh, we will think on how we can make a shirt on this, and if we make one, you're getting one. Mm -hmm. The next email is titled New Ham KK Seven AXM, and this is Colby. Hi, Leah and Josh. I recently decided to get my ham radio license as I have always been interested in amateur radio. I did a little research online on the testing procedure and such. I downloaded the ham study application and would study the questions for about an hour a night. I did this for the technician test for about three days and was regularly passing that practice test. Then I started with the general questions for an hour a night. And after about three more days, I was passing that practice test. I kept studying those two banks of questions and the following weekend I went to take my test I passed my technician test okay congratulations congratulations scoring a 97 percent oh, and then my. took and passed my general with a 94 percent here you go amazing congratulations they asked me if I wanted to take the extra test and I decided to give it a try I had not even looked at those test questions, but I figured, why not? I did not pass that test as I expected, but found out I only missed it by one question. Wow. What? Wow. That, Colby, you are a ham radio. Yeah, you're uh, right there, man. Now you can. Wunderkind. You can, a wunderkind. A wunderkind. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know about that, right? The W sounds like V's. And wunderkind. The, and the W sound like F's, vice versa. Or Fun, V's sound. Wunderkind. So it's Volkswagen. 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 I know I don't have the accent right, but that's okay. actually the pronunciation. Right. Apologies to all, all the, the Germans. Yeah. <laughs> all the German speakers. Yeah. 
Colby continues, I have picked up the TYT MD UV 390 HT and have that programmed for my local repeaters and have already made a couple of contacts and participated in a couple of local nets. I have programmed some non-repeater channels into my HT and have heard people talking on those frequencies from time to time, but I have been unable to make contact with anyone on those channels. Hmm. My thought is that the small rubber duck antenna is keeping me from getting out very far. So I'm looking at other antenna options. What type of antenna would you recommend for an HT radio? Uh, Signal stuff, signal stick as we've often mentioned on the podcast. Yeah, and and as somebody who used the Ham Study app, what better way to thank that that program? Correct. Signal Stuff, the company that creates Signal Stick, is the company, same company, that runs uh, hamstudy.org. And in fact, the the money that comes from the antennas goes to fund hamstudy.org. You know what I love about the ham radio community? What? There is so much goodness in it. Just like so many good people. And and savvy. Like that's yeah. a savvy, you like know. smart, good people. I, I don't know what came first. I'm guessing hamstudy.org came first. And he was probably sitting there going, well, these servers aren't paying for themselves. Yeah. And this was before he had the app, which he does have a one-time mm-hmm. payment of like $5 for the app. Mm-hmm. And so he probably just sat there and said, I wonder how I could like recoup some expenses, make this not cost yeah. me anything mm-hmm. without like, making tennis without charging an arm and a leg to right. other people right, right, right. so Just, he he provided a good product and it is it's a fantastic antenna um and it helps to offset the cost of hamstudy.org it's fantastic yeah it's amazing fantastic we'll post yeah. the link in the in the uh, podcast notes so you can go take a look Colby also says, I'm looking to add a mobile radio in my truck and would like some opinions on antennas for that application. Currently, I have a 10 meter mobile radio and a CB radio that I want to install in my truck and was hoping to find an antenna that would work for both radios. Mm. I have seen videos on YouTube for a screwdriver antenna that will go up and down with a controller, Mm -hmm. but I have not found any good advice if that type of antenna would work well for both 10 meter and CB. I was also thinking I could get an adapter to hook the coax up to my HT to have access to two meter and 70 centimeter if I wanted. What do you think? Yeah, they they make manual tuners. And when I say manual tuner for a screwdriver antenna, what I mean specifically is that you control the up and the down of the uh, screwdriver up and down. So my screwdriver antenna connects to my radio. My radio switches bands. I click a button and it auto tunes itself. A lot of radios will do that. Some radios will do that with screwdriver antennas. Other ones, though, you have to manually turn the knob to the band you want, and then the antenna will will move to that location. So you can definitely tune for CB channels with a screwdriver antenna. There's no reason you can't do that. Um, You might be able to look at a ham stick, and you might be able to pick up some of the high side of CB and some of the low side of, of 10 meters, do I have that wrong? I've got it flipped. I've got it backwards. Um, the the low side of CB and the high side of ham radio. That should All right. work. But okay. you've, you've got options. Just look into the manual dial controlled uh, screwdriver antennas. Well, Colby signs off. Thank you for your input. 73K7, oh, KK7AXM 
P.S. Dairy Queen's Nestle drumstick with peanuts blizzard cake is the best ice cream cake around. Butterfingers are great, and I am allergic to bees. Oh, no. This is woo. Wow. That's a whole journey we went on there. Because okay. I'm loaded with sugar. I can't. The bees try to get nectar out of me. <laughs> and mosquitoes. And mosquitoes. Yeah. Uh, I have not had this particular cake at Dairy Queen, so, you know, I'm, I can't even argue that. It sounds delicious. Okay. And I know that DQ's cakes are not mostly cake. They are mostly ice cream, <sighs> which is where you want to be when you're in ice cream cake territory. Well, maybe we'll have a hot take and an email about ice cream cakes here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Colby, congratulations again on passing your tech and your general. Mm-hmm. And hopefully Josh answered your questions. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's when a, that's one of those questions that might be better if we do it on the after chat. So join us for the Hammer to Crash Course after chat on the Discord. Josh uh, always loves good antenna questions. I do. <laughs> that is where he goes. All right. The next email is titled, I sent the wrong draft last week. Also drop suggestion. Okay. Dear Ben and Edison. Who's it from? Oh, I'm sorry. This is from Jake. Okay. Dear Ben and Edison. Sorry, I mean Leah and Josh. (laughs) They truly are our puppet masters. (laughs) Yes, that's true. I realized I had sent the wrong draft last week, and that's why my email was all over the place and not very grammatically correct. Leah, I applaud you for your corrections to my email while reading it live. Also... Hoppy late birthday, bunny. Get it? Hoppy. Uh-huh. Yeah, I like I it. I do. I like puns. I don't know. First off, what the heck is a cat cup? It's... <laughs> when I started listening to the podcast, it was at the time of Skyline Chili and cat cups, but no one explained what a cat cup is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're going to explain it again. I, I, I expect ex- that this will come up every once in a every while. Every month or so, yeah. we're explaining what a cat cup is. Okay. So... Our son, our youngest son, he loves animals. And he found, I don't know how, a sleeve of red solo cups. Yes. And then he put a bunch of them on a table. Like he was running back and forth from the side door that leads yes. to out the side yard yeah. to the bathroom uh-huh. to fill up cup after cup after cup. He didn't have the foresight to just take one cup, fill it all the way up, and pour some into each cup. He just filled a little bit of water in every cup. Mm -hmm. Mind you, the water level was probably not high enough for a cat to to actually reach. (laughs) But I asked him, I asked him what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And he basically was like, I'm, I'm giving the cats water. And I'm like, but what are you doing with these cups? Because they have a water bowl. Right. They literally have a water bowl. He's like, they're cat cups. It's cat cups. (laughs) So nonchalantly with confidence. They're cat cups. What do you mean? And then. What would you not be doing? I was like, okay, well, why don't we do this? We're going to pour all of the water into like the water bowl. He's like, no, the cat cups. (laughs) I'm like, okay, but there's not enough water in each of these cups. Let's just pour them into one cup. And he's like, no. That's the right amount of water. That's the right amount of water for cat cups. Don't you see the graduated lines on the solo cup? <laughs> the bottom one is for cat shots. The next one up is for cat wine. Yeah. And then you fill it all the way up. It's cat for, water. For cat beer. 
cap beer. <laughs> that's that's how the solo cups work. Uh, needless to say, those those cups didn't work. <laughs> no. They did not bring the cats to the yard. They got all smashed and broken up in the side yard yeah. that had to be swept up by either you or I. No, I picked him up. Okay. I picked him up. He was very upset, too. I bet. Yeah. So were the cats. Where did my cat cups go? Well, the cats wanted to know, too. Yeah. We came all the way to the yard. And there's no cups. No us cups. Right. Okay. Well, second, Josh was looking for a ham word that starts with F for obviously our fast and furious line mm-hmm. of shirts, mm-hmm. right? For the Hamily line. And when I was screwing on the antenna on the back of the radio, I accidentally leaned on the PTT and exclaimed, Frick! <laughs> okay, maybe not the word you were looking for, <laughs> no. but it is a ham word. <laughs> Okay, I, I see how you got there. Yeah, yeah. See the connective dots. <laughs> Definitely a ham word. <laughs> Definitely a ham word. I do sometimes hear cursing coming from the ham shack. <laughs> yeah, you do. Uh, just occasional. Oh uh, yeah, just occasional. occasional. Yeah. yeah, I mean rare. Totally. Yeah. Totally rare. <laughs> Third, I apologize to Nathan, where in my last email, I called him Sterling. Leia, the amount of correspondence is growing at an exponential rate. In a few more months, I'm preparing for a seven-hour podcast. Well, that will not happen. We're pretty much, uh, this is our limit here. (laughs) We're We're good. Yeah. The the slightly over four hours is our limit. Podcast is over. (laughs) Good night. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Fourth. I know you've explained it before, but I can't seem to find the podcast where you talked about it. What do the other numbers mean? 88, 33, 83. Okay, so 88 is is marred in a bit of controversy, right? Uh, yeah. Do you want to give the background on 88? Go ahead. I don't remember. Explain. Isn't it the, the Hitler thing? Yeah, I think it was racist but it's actually supposed to be like hugs and kisses right? right yeah that's what the nazis did they all hugged and kissed each other constantly right oh so come and let me hug and kiss you so i guess in some areas mm-hmm. uh some white supremacists started using it so now we should not use it so now 88's been canceled is what you're saying <laughs> right but then people also want to reclaim it mm-hmm. right so I mean I'm guessing if you don't have like 88 tattooed above your eye or something you're probably not using it in the same mm. tonal sense as other people like that write it in the bottom of Hallmark cards huh I was just I was just thinking I'm just thinking out loud really trying to justify this <laughs> if you don't have if Gladys doesn't have a jail yard tat above her eye that says 88 that she picked up mm. in gen pop it's probably sure. not okay. the same connotation uh, so, you know, it really depends on where you want to go with it. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think anybody is going to begrudge you using 88 if that is how you feel. Yeah. Like hugs and kisses. I mean, I imagine it could be a dog whistle to some people. Sure. Okay. But just be aware of that. Right. If you're Probably aware use it of with it. people and, yeah. that, you know, you yeah. know is, you know. 33 mm-hmm. is love sealed with friendship 
and this is typically uh, between YLs and YLs <coughs> to show mutual respect. Okay. And that's why I say to Bunny, 33. There you go. Right? Yep. And then 83, I'm, I'm going to have to look this up because I don't remember 83. Do you know what that is? Nope. Is I know. 73 and 72. Yeah, 73 70, is best wishes, you know, general ham radio sign off. And 72 is the same thing, but QRP. <laughs> there you go. When you care enough to send the very least. So hope hope that makes sense. I think sometimes um, somebody might reference 83 as uh, CW, not CW, uh, CB. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. So... Oh, Hopefully that answered your question. Okay. Jake says, now that I got out of last week's email comments out of the way, on to this week. Yeah, I was going to say, how many emails are we going to get on 83 now? My sister's cross-country race was a success. Oh, good. And no one got hurt. The race organizers were very pleased and even asked me to come back for the next race. Great. Well done, Jake. My friend Connor of W4IPC and I officially started our radio club at the Old Dominion University with the call of W4ODU. And yes, the last time this was mentioned, I missed Connor, the, uh, that Connor. Oh, it is that the Connor. W, yeah. Okay, W4IPC, gotcha. Yeah. So yes, Connor, I, I know it is you. <laughs> you don't have to text me. <laughs> we mostly set up our shack with some flex radios. Wow, baller shack. Of course you did. <laughs> we are also planning on recruiting a recruiting event to get more people into the club. Mm-hmm. Mainly, we are going to put up an antenna in a courtyard and just start making contacts and answering questions when people stop by and talk. We are also planning on reaching out to the preparedness club and the STEM club here. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine? Uh, um, There are places now with both preparedness clubs and STEM clubs. Those places are called a college, Leah. Yeah. (laughs) That is the place they're talking about. The the, the thing that they're speaking of is a college. I went to college college and there was not a preparedness club. Okay. I think they just call that study hall. No. no. <laughs> After school tutoring? After Prepared, class tutoring? Like emergency preparedness. I know. Like, thank you, Leia. Not preparatory. Hey, you don't have to explain the joke. Yeah. I know well, I keep sometimes, telling you. Sometimes I don't know if you know. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> we didn't have the same college experience. We okay? did not. That is true. I'm just saying I went to a college that had lots of clubs preparedness was not one of them despite the fact that my college was the college that created cuties clementines okay big agricultural center Mm -hmm. in my college no preparedness club that doesn't add up okay you know well farmers are hardy people they learn to prepare early on in life through things they got to do right okay okay the, imagine, imagine what you could do at the intersection of science and preparedness. I, ah, rail guns. So exci- wow. Okay. <laughs> rail gun technology. Jay continues, Josh, since it's spooky season now, I think you should switch the drop for the email correspondent tower back to its original sound, mm. where it's the creaky sounding derringe hint. Daring hinge. Mm. Daring hinge. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. I think, I think you got a, you got something going on there. Daring hinge. 
No, just the creaky gate. Oh, okay. I don't know. How does he know what the hinge is? Because that's what you used before you moved to the... No, but I mean, how does he know what the hinge... Is, it, is that not what the sound is called? I don't Daring know. hinge creak? I don't... Okay. <laughs> Something like Final Cut. It was in. It was some stock audio that I downloaded that was free to use. Listen, Jake is into ham radio preparedness and STEM. Oh. So I trust what he says. Okay? They use that sound clip all the time. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. He's covering a lot of bases oh, here. Oh, <laughs> okay. He's a triple threat. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's all I have for now. If I think of anything more, you'll see me again. Best and 73s to both of you and to all that are listening. Thank you, Jake. Your drowning in Baofeng's correspondent, Jake KO4JUZ. That's funny. <laughs> drowning in Baofeng's. <laughs> in the world in which we use Baofeng's as currency. You're wealthy. Yes. <laughs> Okay, the next email is titled Candy Cakes Wizards and Avengers. Oh, <laughs> no ham radio on this one. <laughs> and this is from Vic. Mm-hmm. Hi, Josh and Leah. I tried to stay out of all this controversy. <laughs> <coughs> we, we dragged you in. <laughs> but just couldn't do it. Yeah. But contrary to politics and the world situation, the HRC listeners, the HRCC listeners and both of you are civil enough to not hate on each other for our beliefs. What a breath of fresh air. Yeah. That's what Vic says, not me saying. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I agree, Leah. Yeah. And Vic. And Vic. <laughs> Reference candy. I became a York Peppermint Patty fan based on an old... 80s commercial one of the few times a commercial has ever worked on me here is a link i will drop that in the show notes okay it's some old guy who eats a york some old guy. and does a ski jump off his coffee table oh i remember this yeah, yeah yeah i've seen this absolutely hysterical yeah anyways i have a york peppermint patty about once a month well done vic you are living life to the fullest living the dream but I also like Cadbury cream eggs. Okay. See? All right. Okay. All right. However, I'm almost ashamed to admit, and I know I'm not worthy since my go-to candy bar is a payday. Oh. I, mean, I don't hate paydays. I will go years have, before having a payday. I just don't even remember the last time I had a payday. That's... That's a kind of special one, though, because that's kind of like the first candy that got on the salt train. Mm, right? Because right. it's Cause salted peanuts. peanuts. Yeah. It's not regular peanuts. It's salted peanuts with caramel. That's like literally all the high-priced like sea salt candies that everybody buys. They just take a payday, chop them up into little pieces, and then wax, twist it in wax paper and give it off as like high-quality candy. Nobody will know. I feel like the only time I see payday is along with a hundred grand and it's always a part of like uh, a gift, you know, like a congratulations. Dude, a great candy bar. Yeah, but I'm it's, saying it's like you it is wholly underrated. It's so underrated. Wow. So yeah. Much passion about hundred grand. They are huh? very good. Yeah. I do have a thing for old candies though. Every once in a while I wanna have um, a big cherry. Right, you yeah. love big cherry. My dad specifically, yeah, and then Charleston Chew. Yeah, Charleston Chew. I even like chicka sticks sometimes. Oh god, 
You want to have a Butterfinger with no chocolate on it? I kind of like it better. Oh, my goodness. Keep going. Okay. We're going to get down a rabbit <laughs> hole real fast. Vic says, I hope you will still allow me to listen to the podcast. You know, I Vic? can't stop you, but if I could. <laughs> <laughs> what is the tagline for payday? Because in my head, I'm, Everybody I'm thinking. Everybody deserves a payday. In my head, I'm thinking it's snap into a payday. <laughs> Which that's a slim, what? That's a slim gym. I know. I don't know why. Snap into a slim gym. Snap into a cash advance payday. <laughs> and I see it's everybody deserves a payday. I see the alliteration of having their name, name in the slogan. What is it, Randy Savage? Is that Randall it? Savage. Yes, yes, get it right. <laughs> Randy Savage. Macho man. <laughs> Randy Savage. Snap into a Slim Jim. But this time paydays. Mm-hmm. That's, okay. Question on cakes. Randy Unreasonable Anger. <laughs> this is, this is formal name. <laughs> I got her. Yay. <laughs> oh, my God. You do you remember that time you found at, at well, my dad like we were helping my dad clean out like a storage unit or something what? What? and then there was oh yeah the Slim Jim cooler yeah I love that thing you threw it out it was literally red and yellow and had the Slim Jim look on it and I like unironically used it all the time. It was when people were switching over to things like Hydroflask. I think it actually had a picture. No, it did not. Of mo- it did Are not. Are you sure? It did not. Okay, my bad. Okay. Because okay. <laughs> there would have been some violence if that got thrown out. <laughs> That's probably worth 15s of dollars <laughs> on the eBay. 15s of dollars is like, what, 75 mini Slim Jims? <laughs> yep. Snap into a payday. All right. Well, Vic has a question about cakes. Why don't they just put the cake on top of the Baskin Robbins cake so it's not frozen like a brick or the ice cream isn't melting? Still looking for a Carvel cake. Okay, to me, it doesn't matter. I I mean, the cake is on the bottom of the Baskin Robbins cake because it's the heaviest piece. You can't put the heavy part on top of ice cream. You're crazy if you think the cake is heavier than the ice cream. You are a 100% crazy person. (laughs) This we can science. Yeah. We can absolutely science it's this two portion. two-thirds ice cream, one-third sponge cake. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. There's, there's too much cake. The, Vic, the problem with the Baskin-Robbins uh, cake is it is too much cake. No. No. You, you continue to be wrong in this. Okay. I already had my Carvel uh, cake for let, my birthday. I, I would like you to be honest and tell everybody that you're not really a cake enthusiast. You, I like cake. You like very light, not sweet Asian cakes. Listen, I It is had, a cake that literally is very popular in the Asian community. I just had my birthday week. Mm-hmm. My birthday weekend. And I had four cakes. Okay. Uh, yeah, four cakes. Okay. None of them were like a normal cake. Mango cake. Already. You've already. Strawberry cream cake. No. What well, that was technically about? Helen's yeah. cake. Mine was a fruit tart. <laughs> yes. And then a Carvel cake. The only like normal cakes that we eat are like when it's my birthday. When it's like a German chocolate cake 
or a carrot cake or something like that. A normal cake. Mm, I do like um, Ralph's Kroger's marble cake. The tuxedo cake. Yeah. Uh, that is a very sweet cake. That is the only cake I know cake. that you like that is a sweet cake. That's Every cake other I cake is a not about. so sweet cake. That is a cake I am passionate about. If I really like somebody, that is the cake I will bring them. If I, I don't have any idea what kind of cake they like. Mm-hmm. You and put I, it on the table and you go, 33. You're... <laughs> No, but I, you I just want everybody to so welcome. I want everybody to understand like you are not a you, you like specific cakes. The cake that is in the Baskin Robbins Baskin or ice cream cake is not a cake that you enjoy. You don't eat sponge cakes. Look at my You don't eat dense sweet cakes. That is not your jam. Mm. So using you as is a Is it a like, sponge cake or is it a pound cake? Because to me it's actually worse than a Sara Lee pound cake on the bottom. Oh, it's not. It's like the same thing. No, Sara Lee pound cake is way better than whatever. No. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. Do you think (laughs) that that cake is even delicious? Like the problem is not just that it is too much cake. It is not good cake. Okay, you need to move on. (laughs) (laughs) You with these hot takes tonight. And now to wizards, Vic continues. Gandalf, hands down, just because he sees dangerous situations and doesn't hesitate to plunge in, even not knowing how it will come out. And he's willing to go it alone if need be. When Balrog's whip pulled him off the ledge, he went down swinging all the way, even then knowing that he was probably going to die. Yet he wanted to make sure that Balrog wasn't coming back. Well, he he had glam drink too, so. Gandalf is the Chuck Norris of wizards. Now that is high praise. Yeah, I can see that because he actually does like (laughs) smack people in the face. But for pure entertainment, I have to suggest Merlin in the old Irish film Excalibur. Great film, great performances, and it's a who's who of young actors who we all know now, especially even special skills, Liam Neeson. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, the only good King Arthur movie. I, I feel like I've seen this. I went through a period where I was deeply into King Arthur, Knights of the Round Table, like Robin Hood, all, all of that genre Mm -hmm. of, uh, of medieval fiction. Okay. Right? Yes. I know you did this. Yeah. So I, I'm okay with Merlin being the best. I am. Oh, no. Still, it's Gandalf. We'll have to see. What, what do you mean? We'll I've got to I've gotta go back, remind myself of everything, because I haven't really looked into this at all for like, what, 20 years? Mm-hmm. I'd have to refresh everything. I take that back. Um, I did watch Merlin. You watched the young Merlin series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know that that's considered canon. That's fair. I don't think when you look up, you know, Arthur, Arthur lore, the WB shows up as as a citation. (laughs) It turns out Morgan Le Fay is actually Arthur and like Merlin's, I think, love interest. Where where does that go? Where does... I, I don't even remember that show. Of course, so we know it did how long go there yeah. though. But yes, because <laughs> the WB isn't it on the WB. That's where it's I from. I don't remember. It, it felt like a WB show. It ends very poorly too. No. Yeah. It's like oh, it's done. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> like, is there? Yeah. Okay. Now, Avengers. Why hasn't anyone mentioned John Steed as the best Avenger? Well, Vic, it's because we're talking MCU. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going into the depths here. <laughs> like, right? Wolverine was on the Avengers. There's a ton of, like, characters that have been on the Avengers before that could, like, add into the pantheon of this discussion. Sure. And and then we'll we'll have a Marvel podcast. <laughs> uh, Vic's actually going to get real deep into oh, this. Oh, here we go. The dude got to work with co-workers like Emma Peel and Tara Storm and drive an awesome car and was quite the snazzy dresser. To quote Wa- Walter Sh- Sobchak. Sobchak, is that right? Don't know. Are we going to split hairs here? Am I wrong? Okay, well, again... I think he's just flexing on us. Yeah, it's with, true. With his comic book knowledge. <laughs> a little bit. This is one of those things, uh, those pieces of information people sometimes drop that is supposed to show how well-versed they are mm-hmm. in this topic that you realize you should not bother arguing with them about it. You're like, okay, well... Or you become the person that they just go ask questions of. Right. <laughs> you become that yeah. person. It's like when you want to talk about some medical issue and then somebody goes, well, I'm a Harvard educated, like, you know, 20 year experience in comic this particular field. right? I'm a Harvard educated comic book doctor. Yes. But not Dr. Strange. He's not saying Dr. Strange. No. Yeah. Okay. Vixa signs off. Love you guys. You brighten my whole week. My part-time job is delivering cars around Colorado for one of the big car rental agencies. I got to drive about eight hours yesterday from Gunnison, Colorado, while listening to one and a half of your podcast. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Autumn is in the air and the leaves are changing to bright gold. Great day cruising and listening to you and making me laugh out loud. 73's Vic. Thank you so much, Vic. Yeah, thank you, Vic. That's great. And since you're on the topic, fun fact, I actually did an internship with one of the big rental car companies. You you mentioned it. I thought that was the Dodge Durango. Yeah, but in the us driving things, Mm -hmm. I got in the worst car accident of my life on that job. Mm -hmm. I believe it. Like, I had a passenger in the car. Her weave flew out of the car. We got hit so bad, and I was in the hospital. Yeah. (laughs) Vic, you need to be careful driving for these rental car companies. Yeah. That's not good. It's not. I'm fine now. Yeah, now. I just, I think I have, like, a bruise on my forehead from it, actually. Oh, you got, like, you took, like, brain damage? Yeah, I was in the hospital after. You know that like a head injury is one of the leading indicators of uh, serial killers. They all generally have that in common. Well, watch out, Josh. Oh, my God. (laughs) Thank you so much for all the kind words and hot takes, Vic. The next email is titled, Probably the Lettuce or Chips in the Correspondent Sandwich. (laughs) That's very clever, Brian. Mm-hmm. Hi, Josh and Leia. First time visiting the Correspondence Tower from Texas. I registered for my FRN in 2003 and never got around to taking the technician exam. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm set. I'm sorry to laugh. You've just got this FRN waiting. (laughs) 
like, waiting well, to be licensed. I've been I've been licensed for two years, but uh, I got an FRN number that's ten years old now. Yeah, <laughs> or nine years old. Until I got an email about a one-day ham cram and test session nice. from our local healthcare preparedness organization oh, cool. this year. Wait a minute. Healthcare preparedness? The, these combinations just keep getting better and better. First you had preparedness and STEM. Now you have healthcare and preparedness. <laughs> Fantastic. It's just all fish antibiotics. You know, they work. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's the same thing. Just, and I'm talking just about fish antibiotics. Yeah, do <laughs> Why? Why are we in a place where we have to clarify this? I take it all back. <laughs> do the thing there. Uh, the morning of the test, I found a YouTube channel called Ham Radio Crash Course. Oh. Hey. I thought to myself, self, this sounds like an apropos channel for this current endeavor. After a few videos and a couple of hours of reviewing the question pool, I passed my technician test that Thursday afternoon. Congratulations. I excitedly jumped on Amazon and went full fang. (laughs) (laughs) You never go full fang. (laughs) Soon, however, I realized there was so much more band out there to explore. The strategy of printing out the question bank and highlighting the correct answers worked fairly well for my technician. So after printing out the general bank and using HRCC and Google to explore concepts I didn't completely understand, I passed my general exam on Friday. Congratulations. That's awesome. Well done. Yeah. Content to rest on my new HF privileges, I printed out the ARRL band plan and soon found that the forbidden amateur extra band allocations were too much temptation for my impulse control center. Oh, here we go. So I jumped back into the question pool and passed my extra on Tuesday. What? Wait. Wait, is he saying that this all happened consecutively? <laughs> it sounds is it, like did this go Thursday, Friday, Thursday, Tuesday, <laughs> Saturday, Tuesday. Br- Brian, are you a genius? <laughs> this... Brian signs off. What's a ham radio? <laughs> Brian says, I'm currently serving as a VE as a small way to give back to the ham community. Then he might have got a VE accreditation. That's awesome. Enjoying DXing and also working on learning code as a Long Island CW club member. Wow. This this resume. He went full ham. Yeah. That's what he did. If. So for me, when I go to QRZ, that mm-hmm. is like a ham radio resume to me. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> Which is particularly embarrassing because my QRZ page. <laughs> <laughs> I do a podcast it's, with my husband. It doesn't even say that. Oh, okay. I want to say, <laughs> and don't quote me because it's been a while since I've checked it. It's like, I get a QRZ page now. Check that out. <laughs> that's, all, that's all it says. And I'm here. <laughs> and I think I have 
any lookups. <laughs> then they get there, they're and like, I, have, I am disappointed. I have one contact, and it's you. <laughs> I don't even know if you confirmed it. <laughs> I probably didn't. <laughs> I gotta look it up. That's funny, you have an unconfirmed contact from your husband. <laughs> Did you go in and type it into the log? Yes. Oh my god. Because I did it from Balfang to Balfang. <laughs> it wasn't my repeater. Right, 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 right. That was a legit contact. That was a legit contact. That's right. That was a simplex contact from in our home. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> That is hilarious, and I just left it on on unread. <laughs> I did go like I don't I don't pull up my uh, QRZ logbook for like un unacknowledged uh, contacts because sure. I just upload from my logger to QRZ. Ooh. I don't. You just didn't log me back. Is what you're saying. I didn't log you back, dog. <laughs> Uh, but uh, my point is, Brian's resume is quite impressive. It is. This is this is a QRZ page you should visit, not yes. mine. No. <laughs> Don't go to mine. <laughs> go go, go check to Brian's. Yeah. Now he's going to feverishly go update his QRZ. <laughs> oh, my God. Mine also says, now I can have a QRZ, too. Check me out. Check me out. <laughs> All right. Now, I realize I could have said all that more succinctly, Brian continues, but I really just wanted to see how many times I could get Josh to press the button. <laughs> yep, I knew it. I knew he was facing it out. I knew it. HRCC is my go-to listen when I'm on a long drive or working outside. Not only is HRC a great... HRCC? What's happening to me today? I don't know. You got the giggles. I'm also... I'm running on very little sleep yeah you are yeah. you're almost delirious right now <laughs> this close uh, not only is hrcc a great source of information but i also laugh out loud at least once per podcast uh, the one at least once per four hours yeah, <laughs> what <amazing>. a ratio <laughs> we're really working on that tight five <laughs> <laughs> that's it man could you imagine uh, my stand-up bit is <laughs> four hours. I guarantee you're going to last it's, one time. <laughs> I've just got to keep my set going until you laugh five times. And then I'm going to clip <laughs> those jokes <laughs> together. My into new my, Netflix, Netflix yeah. special. <laughs> exactly. That's right. That's how they do it. Is they, it? Ju they just keep working on sets to see what works and then they stitch it together mm -hmm. to a tight five. And then when they like do a really, you know, get a good reputation going mm -hmm. and they get a uh, Netflix deal, they've got to figure out how to make a tight five, a tight 60. <laughs> like, you just clip all the fives together yeah. until they get to 60. You've got a, and it's, there's a flow to it, right? Stand up comedy is a real science. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just so you know. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Brian signs off. Also, point of note, three Cadbury... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks for sharing your knowledge and your humor. Also, point of note, You're welcome. three Cadbury cream eggs. Those are rookie numbers. 
you've got to up those numbers. I'm not going to up those to diabetes. 73, Brian. <laughs> and if you want to look up his QRZ page, <laughs> KT3X. <laughs> the next email is titled Late Breaking News, 11 Meter Correspondent. And this is from Drew. Okay. Leia and Josh, hold on to your butts. Or, I mean, there's no camera. Y'all could hold on to each other's butts. All your butts. All it's butts. about to get wild. Okay. First, Josh, I saw your POTA air show video. That was good stuff all the way around. I have two questions regarding the video. You seem to have your phone in your hand the entire time you were on the radio. What were you referencing on the phone? I was using the Hammers app. It's a logging app that I use on my phone. Okay. Second, once you're done with that question, it made me wonder if you could recommend one app for a new ham, a must have app, what would it be? Oh my gosh. I did a video on this. I think I did. The one app that you would get for hammer. It totally depends. It, much like the hobby being of so many niches, there are many different apps for the different niches. Mm -hmm. Hammers, which is spelled H-A-M-R-S, Hammers, mm -hmm. is an app for logging. It does soda, poda, and just general log. I think it actually has Winter Field Day in there too now, among other ones maybe. Uh, I use something called GoSat Watch, all one word, which is an app for tracking satellites, amateur radio satellites, among all the others too. It does, it does pretty much all of them. Mm -hmm. What's the other app that I use that's ham radio related? Obviously, Echo Link is one that most people download. Uh, that's a good one. I believe that there is a radio reference app now and that you can actually program the 705 with it, which is really cool. Over from your phone? Yeah, from your phone, which that's super cool. <clears throat> Um, I also use something called APRS Droid for doing APRS on um, Android tablets and APRS.fi for iPhone users. Does APRS? Okay. Yeah. Next, assuming that Baofeng isn't the right answer, what would a, be a good general purpose first HT for, say, a general class operator? The <clears throat> general class doesn't really matter because there's not really HF handy talkies. They don't really do HF. Mm, okay. The problem with that question, as we've mentioned before, he didn't mention budget. Did he mention budget? No. So I don't really know how to answer that. What is like no holds bar? You don't have to buy your wife dollar for dollar a purse that equals the cost of the radios that you buy. <laughs> I mean, there's only one um, kind of top of the line ham radio out there right now. It's the FT5. It's the only one that's um, on the market. Okay. Kenwood... Kenwood's D74 has been discontinued, and that took its close to $500 price up to over $800 on the used market. For a handy talkie? Mm-hmm. $800? On the used market, because it's discontinued, and people still want it, and so people are gouging the price. Yeah. That's real. Do you get to talk to Art Bell from the grave? What, <laughs> what are they doing with this uh, it's it's actually a very it's a very good radio it deserves all the accolades it gets it's it's very well appreciated in the ham community it does a lot of things things that the ft5 doesn't do wow but the ft5 is available it's water tight so you can actually um, submerge it up to a, i think they said a meter but i could be wrong but definitely a foot 
Well, Drew says, feel free to reference one of your videos as an answer for this, as I'm certain you've answered it somewhere. And the answer is probably a bit involved for this late in the correspondence tower. Anybody who asks this question, please include a budget. Otherwise, this becomes very difficult for me. I'll, 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 get, I'll, I'll try and answer the question three or four different ways, and it just takes too long. So give me your budget. Sure. Make sure you include that. Now, back to Leia in the studio where she's just received late breaking news and it appears everyone is holding on to at least one butt. At least one butt. At least one. And this evening, the 7th of October, I was able to line up a series of circumstances that I've been trying to line up for six months or so. That is, while I am working in Chattanooga, there was a meeting of CARC, Chattanooga Amateur Radio Club. Oh where they had an exam session. I have previously missed meetings and or exam sessions here or there by days on one job or the next, but not this time. Oh my goodness, here we go. I walked in prepared with my FRN and the required exam fee. I filled out my paperwork and received the element two exam. After filling it out and handing it in, a VE who was conducting his first session congratulated me on passing my tech exam and asked me if I would like to see the general. Congratulations. Congratulations on your tech, Drew. Good job. You went from CB to tech. Well, it's still a CB. Yeah, here. sure. Yeah, sure. He's but it's got been a, more capabilities. But I mean, I don't know if anybody else is technician's license has been as long awaited as Drew's. This is true. You know, so Drew, in response to asking to see the general, he responded, yes, please. Mm -hmm. After filling the element three exam out and handing it in, I realized the other people testing had all left. They all did one test each, and I was the only person doing two tests. So I had a room full of VEs looking over my answer sheet. Oh, boy. Like, while you were taking it? That's got to be stressful. Yeah. And then you hear them like, oh, oh. You know, it's it's interesting because, you know, you took your test in person. All of them. But I, the only test I took was online, and everybody had the... uh, They're just staring at you on Zoom. But I didn't know because they turned off their cameras. Oh, so I'm not good. seeing anybody. Nice. So it just it, it's a much more calm feel. It's just me in my bathroom <laughs> with my computer. Just me in a bathroom taking a test. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Josh, I knew things were good when the head VE said, "Well, you don't see that every day." One of the other VEs asked what, and he said. Someone walk in with nothing and walk out with a general. Oh, look at now. Wow. Congratulations. congratulations. You got HF radio in your future. Good. Good job. Leia, if a farm boy who retired from IT to go play in the dirt can pass a general exam, all I can say is anytime you want general, you can have it. I know you can do it. You can do it. I know. Thank that. you. That is that's this so has been a big episode for uh, new licenses going for like a double and triple header. Yeah, pretty that's, cool. That's the HRCC way. That's right. Get your technician in general. Yeah, well done. Not the extra. Don't get crazy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> Looking forward to being able to put my call sign on my next email to you. Ooh. Thank you both so much for the inspiration. I assure you my achievement is in due in no small part to the sheer positive vibe of this podcast, which means I should likely thank many of the other correspondents as well. 73. Now they can stop razzing you around the water cooler in the tower when we're all working in the bullpen, working on these emails. Is the tower a water tower? Oh. (laughs) Is it a... And when I say water cooler, I mean the whole thing. Yes. That we're in right now. You're standing out on the outside of the water right. tower. It gets a little annoying with the Animaniacs running around. It's time for... No, don't do it. Don't. <laughs> don't. The... No. I'm so happy for you, Drew. Welcome, Congratulations, Drew. Welcome That's fantastic. to the Ham Club. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've been a correspondent for a long time. But now... The Ham Fam, really. Yeah. From 11 meters to so many meters. <laughs> all the meters, yeah. basically. Not all the meters. Yeah. No, just up to the general meters. No, it's the same meters. Uh, you just different portions of frequency within fair enough. the meters. Fair enough. There's not like a secret all the extra meter. What? You just get more frequency space on the <sighs> same bands. I want an extra meter. <laughs> okay. The next email is titled The Walking Dude, not a misspelling. And this is from Rich. Hello, Leah, and hello, Josh. Josh, this one's for you. I just finished listening to you being interviewed by Dennis on the oh, Amdem yeah. Thoughts podcast. We do have to mention that. I was his last uh, episode. Nice. That's great. Which I think you were listening to it uh, this morning or yesterday. And I was like, who are you on a podcast with? <laughs> Who are you podcasting with? <laughs> That's not me. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone has confused you with Dennis. No. We are both Asian. Uh, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we should keep going before I say something that'll get me in trouble. That's right. <laughs> uh, Rich says... It's always interesting, and I learn a few things about you and your interest. Now, this will be a real stretch to connect my usual topic of comics, but it does fall within the topic of animation, so I think it'll get a pass. During your interview, you noted Dave Kassler as one of your prime mentors, and I certainly agree, Mm -hmm. for all the reasons you mentioned. Yep. Offhandedly, you wondered about the animated walking dude who occasionally strolls across the bottom of the screen during his YouTube broadcasts. I've never communicated with Dave, but watching his videos, I also noticed the walking dude. And I'd be very surprised if my guess as to its origin is not correct. What is the walking dude? It's a dude with uh, like jeans on and a red shirt and he's yellow. And he's got a circle head. It's just a circle. And he's just walking along the bottom of the screen. Like where your name would be? Yeah, but it's bigger than a lower third. It's tall. It, it's like it, it, and it gets walks close across to across the just, whole screen. It just walks across the screen, walks back and off the off the shot. That's it. No reference. Dave never references it. It's just there. And it's, it's not Dave walking. No. Okay. Yeah. You're gonna have to show this to me because I 
I, I mean, I'll have it to figure out a video. Possibly he, it's it's kind of rare. He doesn't do it that much anymore. I'll have to go back to his older stuff. It can't be what I'm actually envisioning. I, okay. Okay. Right? You're saying it's bigger than a lower third? Yeah, it's pretty tall. Well, Rich says, I could be wrong, but listening to Dave's voice, I'm going to assume he was raised in the general New York area. Back in the early 1960s, when cable TV was still being streamed in black and white, WNEW New York was carried there in Pennsylvania over cable channel five, and it featured an early evening program known as the Sandy Becker Show. Also known as Sandy Becker's Funhouse, it appealed to kids and featured the star of the show, who was quite a ham but was no amateur, as many characters in humorous skits and sketches, including innovative music videos long before the term music video was ever invented. Okay. I'd bet dollars to donuts that uh, that Dave used to watch Sandy Becker for the simple reason that his show also featured the occasional deeply anticipated gimmick of, and I'm quoting nostalgiacentral.com here, contests like Catch Max where viewers had to phone the station if they spotted a cartoon burglar Max running across the screen. In my mind, Walking Dude is an homage to Sandy Becker's Catch Max, who did the very same thing, walk, sometimes scurry, rapidly across the screen, and if you missed him, you missed your chance to be the first call into the studio right then and win a prize. Okay. That's interesting. When you communicate with Dave, please ask him if my guess is correct, and also ask him if I won a prize, because surely I never won one off of Sandy Becker. And no, I won't ever call you Shirley. (laughs) Yes. Don't call me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just sometimes I feel like I have to explain jokes to you because they kind of go over your head. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Thank you for that. I always do appreciate it. And Rich signs off 73 Rich WB3EGD. This is an interesting. These are things that I find very interesting. Nostalgic things, Mm -hmm. historical things. Thank you for this, Rich. I appreciate it. And if we hear back from Dave about the origins of his walking man, we will definitely report back. Yes, I still have to email him. I feel bad because I was, I was, he hit, he just hit 1,000 subs. One oh, 100,000, 100,000. Oh, congratulations. Big congratulations to Dave. He definitely deserves it. Yeah, Yeah, well deserved. Um, but I was supposed to email him before he got to 100,000. I feel so bad. Um, so I'm, I'm very sorry, Dave. I don't know that he listens, but I'm very sorry, Dave. And I will have to send him an email post haste. Yes. The next email is titled that tone in Leia's voice when someone writes in trashing Tony Stark. That's literally <laughs> the tone. That yeah. is it. You found you, you, you figured out the button to make that tone happen. <laughs> It's not even on the, the little voice box board here. No. <laughs> and this is from volunteer podcast co-producer Rob. Mm-hmm. Hi, Leia and Josh. Last Wednesday, our family loaded up and went to San Antonio for the Dude Perfect live show. Then we headed east for over 900 miles to see one of our sons, Nicholas, get married. Wow. Congratulations, Rob. It's an action-packed vacation. The ceremony was in a small town called Adams, Tennessee, just north of Nashville. It was an outdoor wedding on a ranch in the rain, and it was perfect. Did you know that it's supposed to be very good luck for it to rain on your wedding 
in our culture. And for our wedding, it was like sun shining perfect. Mm -hmm. And then once everything was done, it started to rain, like just a little bit. We ended up not going out to take uh, a bunch of wedding pictures because they were supposed to be outdoors Mm -hmm. um, at the Cerrito Sculpture Garden. Because of the rain. Yeah. Yeah. But then, and I was kind of lamenting that to my mom. She was like, no, that's that's actually very fortuitous. The fact that it didn't um, ruin anything Mm -hmm. related to the ceremony or the reception, Mm -hmm. but that it did end up raining. Yeah, so yes, so that is great luck for, for your troops. son and his uh, his new bride, Rob. That there was rain. Nick and his bride Cassidy are involved with missionary organization and spent three months serving in Africa earlier this year. That has a way of changing your perspective on what is really important. Yeah, definitely. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nick was born in Russia and has battled through a lot of issues. We adopted him when he was eight months old, very sick, and only weighed 13 pounds. He hasn't missed many meals since then. And 22 years later, he is six feet, four inches tall, weighing 240 pounds. Uh, Rob, I am always so impressed at uh, the love that you have chosen to give to these adopted children i know you oh, have yeah. i i know you have more than one adopted mm-hmm. son because you also have cameron um but it really takes a special person to love i think so somebody that i, I don't even want to say that it's not their own because that's those are his kids right but not everybody can do that uh, you know sure yeah i can see that yeah it's it really speaks a lot to uh, what a great heart Rob and his mm-hmm. wife have. Yeah, well said. I am assuming several in the HRCC family have adopted children, and it is common for adopted children to have emotional issues because of the trauma they have endured at a young age, Rob continues. That has been the case with Nick. About three years ago, he hit rock bottom and then made some very good changes in his life. Now he is doing great, and we could not be prouder. We have three um, other adopted boys, Robert, 26, Alex, also from Russia, 23, and your fan club member, Cameron, 14. (laughs) I was right, at least two, but it turns out it is four total. Wow. And all boys. All boys? I mean, Alex could be a girl, I guess. Um, But I I have been talking to so many boy moms recently. Boy parents are a special breed. I I mean, the same way girl parents are a special breed. Like only girls are only boys. Right, because the dynamic when boys are just growing up with boys. They, they They do kind of grow up a little bit different. They I do. think they do. I really do believe that. I mean, sometimes I look at them and go, why did you throw all of this paper on the ground for no reason? <laughs> why did you tear up a cardboard box that yeah. just needed to go in the recycling yeah. bin? <laughs> I try to ask you to tear down the boxes all the time and you won't do it. But then you want to savagely randall uh, unreasonable aggression, the box. Ben asked me if he could open a box for me today. Mm-hmm. It was an Amazon package that was fairly small. And I said, yeah, go ahead. Thinking he would You just go, punch it open? Take a knife yeah. or scissors and cut along the tape. Yeah. 
he started tearing the side of the box. That's what I'm saying. They tore the box apart. Like, they ri- just angrily ripped it open, like, ripped it into pieces and, like, hid it in the corner like they were hiding a body. And I walked over and I'm like, what is all this? It's and just- then I opened the front door and they started shoving the extra pieces out in the front porch. <laughs> you walked out and you're like, somebody's got to clean this right now. <laughs> it's just this exercise in what are you thinking, especially as, as a woman uh-huh. who didn't really I have a brother but he's 10 years younger than me so I didn't grow up with a brother right, really right. and it's like what is that what is going on in here yeah that, that sound clip you ever look it's at like someone? a rhythmics playing yeah. in the background yeah <laughs> I love him but I'm often very confused <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, Rob continues Sunday we drove down to Decatur Alabama near Huntsville uh, spent Sunday with a couple of dear friends, George and Carol. They are the ones who introduced me to Roger Strick. If you don't remember, Roger Strick is the musician who has sent us so many a wonderful songs. Wonderful, wonderful <laughs> songs. They're amazing. Especially the one about Huntsville. Mm-hmm. Right? Who happens to be the happy new... And Nacho Doches, right? Yes. Ex- Did you say that right, that? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who happens to be the happy new owner of a Baofeng. Oh. You may remember that Carol is the brave soul. I want to see. Okay. This is. So there's a thing. You know where a slide guitar? You know what a slide guitar is? Mm -hmm. It's where you wear this like either metal or plastic thing on your finger. Mm -hmm. And and then you make these cool sounds out of it. He should try and use the Baofeng as a slide. What? Like just hold the Baofeng with the battery. Yeah, absolutely. With the battery up against the the strings and see if you can use use it as a slide. That would be funny. Well, you may remember that Carol is the brave soul who approached a bunch of North Alabama natives asking them how to pronounce Huntsville mm-hmm. with a T. Yep, with a T. <laughs> thank you, George and Carol and Roger. Yes, Roger. Thank you. And Rob. And Rob. For all of the fantastic musical content. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Leia, I told you when I was back in the Southeast, I would hunt down a Carvel ice cream cake and report back. So here is how it went. First. We stopped at a Kroger, but they didn't have any. Mm-hmm. Carol had spotted some at the local Walmart, so we found one there. I had never seen a Carvel cake before, so I was excited to see the picture on the side of the box, which looked amazing. Then I saw the actual cake through the top of the box. There was a lot more icing than I expected. I do, I do really like the icing. Oh, that's, you do? Okay. That's part of the Carvel cake joy for me. Mm-hmm. And the price was twenty six dollars. That's kind of how much cakes cost around here twenty six to thirty six dollars for a small cake. Okay. So it doesn't seem too outlandish. It said it served eighteen people. Okay, so this is this is an important thing. When you see a Carvel ice cream, apologist for this cake. Okay. When you see a Carvel ice cream cake and Mm -hmm. you see the number of people it's supposed to serve, you look at it and you wonder how. Mm-hmm. How could it possibly? Mm-hmm. Because you are thinking about cake, cutting the cake into wedges. That is not how to cut an ice cream cake. You cut it into lines and you cut it in half and then into lines. So it's actually like rectangular pieces and not triangular pieces. So it, it doesn't. Okay. It said it served 18. I was surprised at how small the actual cake was, Rob said. Maybe they meant 18 dieters. 
<laughs> in in fact, the $26 Carvel cake is meant to be sliced into rectangles. That's mm-hmm. how you get there. You won't get there <laughs> by, <laughs> by triangular slices. Okay. We took it to their home and let it thaw for a few minutes as directed, and then it was time. Carol and George were brave enough to let me record their first impressions. Cameron is the f- final voice you'll hear on the audio clip. Josh, it's time to play it. Here we go. So, ladies first, Carol, what were your first impressions of the Carvel ice cream cake? Well, I've always seen it in the freezer section at Walmart, and I wanted it, but I was sorely disappointed. I liked the blue color of the icing, but it didn't have much sweetness, and the chocolate was funky. It had a freaky, chunky (laughs) taste to it. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't chocolatey like a thought it would be what? okay george <laughs> what did you think of it i thought it was the best ice cream cake i've ever yes eaten. george yes well that makes Leia say <laughs> what makes you say that well it's because i haven't had any other kind of <laughs> <laughs> well that means we gotta go to Baxter robbins <laughs> okay josh uh back to you bud there you go. There you have it. Well, I'm so glad that you went out and got a Carvel cake and that George enjoyed it so much. I'm not real sure about what Carol was talking about. <laughs> it's, well, it's you unclear. should continue with the email then. My impression, uh, Rob continues, I was a little disappointed. It tastes like there was too much icing. Oh, I got the same feeling as I do when eating marshmallows. It is a little bit like a marshmallow frosting it is okay i was expecting the chocolate flavored crunchies to be crunchy but they weren't well that's because they're little they're little cake pieces they're little cake pebbles you know they're not hard so it can qualify as a cake yes <laughs> the base Under the of the loosest cake. laws of her majesty's ice cream cake laws <laughs> the base cool. of the cake was not firm like the crust on a baskin robbins grasshopper pie i kind of had to chase the carvel cake around the plate well that's because the bottom of the cake is also ice cream correct <laughs> and yeah. it is melting yeah. <laughs> uh i'm not sure you should hold that against the cake rob you know give it some time give it give it a couple months apparently his cake was sentient and then you're you're gonna you're gonna come back to it. It's gonna, oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> I am making enemies of Leia and Bunny right now. No, no, Rob, not enemies. You're just yet to be converted. Oh <laughs> this raises an important question: If a cake is going to miss one way or another, is it better to have too much cake or too much icing? Personally, I would choose too much cake. To me, the Carvel cake tasted like it had too much icing and not enough ice cream. That is not a technical measurement. That's just what it tasted like. Carvel icing is so delicious. I am I am team more cake than more icing. More more icing. Yeah. Because I would rather, what happens is if you have too much icing, you still have a decent amount of ice cream. If you have too much cake, no, I mean, like, you have you're just, too much cake. If you're just talking about a cake... Like a cake that has too much icing on it. An ice cream cake. No, I'm saying just like a regular cake Oh, that has too much icing on it. Would you rather have, if they were going to lean one way or the other, would it be too much cake 
or too much icing. I am too much cake than too much icing. I'd just rather have the cake. I'm not really worried about the, the icing. I think you got to have some, but I definitely don't want a lot. And I don't like that uh, that waxy frosting. The I like fondant? buttercream. Buttercream fo- frosting you talking, is what I Are you talking about fondant? You don't like fondant? Is that the one that's that, that's used in most like grocery stores and stuff that's got that waxy feel when you eat it? Mm. I thought that was just like lard-based uh, frosting. Oh, oh, I thought you or were Or vegetable talking. shortening frosting, something like that. Okay, I know what you're talking about. No, that's not fondant. Fondant is the very smooth that comes out yeah, of yeah, sheets. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Therefore, I would rate the Baskin Robbins Grasshopper Pie, number one, Rob says. Baskin and Robbins Ice Cream Cake, number two. And Carvel Cake, number three. Mm-hmm. If there are listeners who have never tried the Grasshopper Pie, go get one. It has a perfect amount of ice cream a crunchy base and the cho- the chocolate lattice and whipped cream don't overpower the taste of the ice cream like it does in the Carvel cake. Your mileage may vary. Oh. I'm so sad. You had Rob's- all those good things to say about Rob and then he just <laughs> dashes your spirits in the end. Rob says, I'm so sorry, Leia. At least we agree on the grasshopper pie. If it makes you feel better, I'm attaching a picture of Nick and Cassidy from Saturday. <laughs> Also, here's a picture of our family with Carol on the front row from left to right. Robert, who gets married in three weeks. Wow. Wow. You've got lots of additions coming to your family. Carol, my wife, Scotty and Cameron in the back, me and Alex. And now we wait for Nate. Rob signs off 73 Rob K5 DCQ. Thank you, Rob. This is a fantastic <laughs> picture of your family. Thank you so much for sending this. Um, not so thankful for the review. I really hate for you to lead uh, all of our wonderful listeners astray in your uh, your review that I I can't completely get my mind around. I've actually already blocked it out. <laughs> so... I, I would like to point out that I think that was one of the first times that we had like an audio correspondent. I love that drop. That yeah. was actually one of the first times we've had that. I mean, we've had the songs, of course, which are great. Um, and we've had, you know, fun little drops there. But that was actually like the first kind of audio review kind yeah. of thing, which was great. Oh, no, no. He also did the Huntsville thing yeah. where they actually had people talking. OK, so never mind. Never mind. But yeah, but it's all you. Rob. It was, it was it's, all, all Rob. it's all Rob. Yeah. We really do love those audio yeah, drops. Yeah, we do. It was great. I mean, I would really love to get ham radio questions by audio drop. That would be really great. Yeah, we got to figure out how to do that. We might put together a voicemail box or something. Mm-hmm. I keep saying that, but just add to the list. The next email is titled, Do I Need to Up My Game? And this is from Nathan. After hearing and seeing Rob's contribution, I feel I need to up my game. Recording segments now? In all seriousness, it was good to see a photo of Rob and his family. Put a face to the call sign. Rob, you must be busy with all these weddings. Talk to you soon. K1, M-A-Z, Nate the Great, ex-child detective. And I'm, I'm going to skip right ahead to Nate's follow-up email. Oh, okay. Trailing, beaconing, and running. Mm-hmm. To the narrator and her audience, both present and digital. <laughs> That's, you're, you're part of the audience. I'm the audience, yeah. yes. Yes. 
<laughs> Greetings. I come to you this week to talk about my Appalachian Trail POTA activation oh, yeah. on Saturday, October 2nd. I had 31 contacts, 10 of which were park to park. Wow. Yeah, there's so many people getting out there doing POTA now. It's crazy. So fun. I did a two for activation at K4556 Appalachian Trail National Scenic Trail and K4527 Green Mountain National Forest, which the trail goes through. So for POTA, that is, drumroll, 62 total contacts logged. Wow. Congratulations, Nathan. Nicely done. I was recording my activation on an old phone, but I guess I had the quality for the recording turned up too high since it ran out of storage space early on. It figures that the majority of my contacts occurred after the phone stopped recording. Well, you learn by doing. Again, this past Saturday was a special effort to activate the Appalachian Trail to commemorate the 100 year anniversary of the creation of the trail. Yeah, that's very cool. I'm also going to dip into APRS after seeing your live stream this past Saturday. I'm going the cheaper route to try it out in my area first with the possibility of more expensive options later, perhaps a 3DR or 5DR if I can justify it eventually, unless you have other suggestions. Mm, no. Okay. Yeah, 5DR. I would go, uh, yeah, FT 5DR. I don't... I mean... Uh, well, I mean, hmm. so the thing is, if you, if you go 5DR, you're locking yourself into just using the radio for APRS. Okay. If you do want to like port it out to a tablet or something like that, you can still do that with the FT3DR, but you'll have to get like the Mobi link or something like that if you want to do that kind of stuff with it. Well, Nathan says, I don't often ask ham radio questions, but as to APRS, does the 5DR have substantially more features than the 3DR as to send and receive ease of messaging or anything? Nope. I'm sure you covered it in a video, but I must have missed it. I thought in your live stream, you had said there was something only the 5DR could do in relation to APRS, but I could again have misunderstood. It, it has, um, when you click a message that you've received, it has a new pop-up that's different than the 3DR, but that's not an upgrade. Um, it's it, I don't actually like the uh, little pop-up that it does. So if you um, if you just other than that, it's identical. It's the same radio as far as APRS is concerned, and and most things I would argue on the software side. Okay. So yeah, if you if you get a line on a on a good FT3, go with the FT3. Nathan says, okay, so that was about a five-minute tangent. I timed it. Thank you for your insight. <laughs> hey, look at that. Everything is ham radio related. No weird references. No talk of cat cups, chili, cereal, sweets, fountain pens, bees, etc. 73, K1, MAZ, Nathan in southern Vermont. That guy that stocks the Carvel ice cream cakes at Walmart. P.S., if you push Mo over an in-ground nest of bees, hornets, or wasps, oh my they attack and I run. <laughs> Nathan. He's doing a push mower. Yeah. Do you remember? You remember when we had one of yeah, those? Yeah, I remember. I was like, we're going to, we got our house. I was like, we're going to get a push mower. It's going to be great exercise. We don't need one of those motored no. with an engine mowers. No. <laughs> And you, you found a push mower from the Truman era <laughs> that one of the wheels didn't even turn. I had to take the thing apart, and I took the part to a, mo a mower repair shop, and they laughed at me. 
for trying to fix a push mower. They're like, who even does this? Are you, like, we don't even know of anybody who's ever asked about a push mower in like the 20 years we've owned this build in this business. What's funny is our neighbors across the street, I don't know if we gave them ours or they bought their own push mower. When they bought their house, they're a young couple. Mm-hmm. They probably bought their house around the same age that we were when we bought our house. Yeah. And they also were like, push mower, <laughs> great idea. I, I want to be really clear before anybody like throws us an email on push mowers. They make push mowers that work, Leia, that are of this year, <laughs> that are of this decade even. And and they spin Vintage freely. The blades mower. spin freely because it's grass they're cutting. It, it doesn't need to work that hard. It just needs to spin, really. The thing you got didn't work. It was like rusted up. It was... I think I spent, I spent hours trying to make that thing work. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I spent so much time trying to get that stupid mower to work. And because of it, I was just so done. I'm not anti-push mower. <laughs> I just wanted one that would work. And they're like much better now because, you know, the parts, the tolerances yeah. are much better. So they spin a lot freer. <coughs> oh, excuse me. They make really good push mowers now. <laughs> But the one you got was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. It was so bad. But you were so happy about it. And I'm like, oh, I gotta try. I, gotta try. I love you very much. Oh, my gosh. That was a nightmare. <laughs> we eventually. I eventually. Got a gas mower. No, I think my mom gave it to us. Yes, she was. She saw me toiling on a... <laughs> on a push mower and then my my wife and my mom's relationship has never been the same <laughs> make my son try and make a 50 year old push mower work she's also the one that always brings over a baskin robbins ice cream cake yes she does i think i bought you one in the whole time that we've been together that's right but she has definitely brought over more than one. Yes, she has. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Nathan. Um, I hope you're okay after your push mower incident. <laughs> and now it's time. It's the final email. <laughs> that has to be my favorite drop. It makes you laugh like every time. Just love it so much. <laughs> You're just singing with such enthusiasm. <laughs> I think they did that in processing. Oh, the enthusiasm? Yeah, they, 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 yeah, they cranked the enthusiasm to 11. This is titled The Final Email, and oh. it's from Fred. Oh. oh, okay. This email reads, this concludes the email correspondence tower. That's it? That's it. Signs off Fred. <laughs> <laughs> well done oh, red Woo. with coming in hot there at the end wow um i don't want you to say the time that the two emails came in but what is the difference in time between over an hour over an hour interesting mm-hmm. yeah Okay. Well, those that know when they sent the email know now. Yeah. <laughs> but this is not a regular day, so we have to be very uh, very specific, you know, very clear with that. Okay, well, you know what that means. Leia, would you like to take a test? 
It's time, Leah. You put off the questions last week. Yeah. And now in your tired, delusional state, you get to answer them now. And I am on question 31 of 35. Okay. <laughs> the first question reads, why is high input impedance desirable for a voltmeter? A, it improves the resolution of the readings. B, it decreases battery consumption in the meter. C, it improves the frequency response. D, it decreases loading on the circuits being measured. I'm going to say C, it improves the... No. It is D. It decreases the loading (laughs) on circuits being measured. Yeah. That is just a bunch of stuff I don't understand still. (laughs) So... In the general Which, test, though, I mean, that's, you know, where you would expect to see this kind of stuff. Right? Yeah. D- did you want to explain that at all? I didn't listen to the question, really. Oh, okay. Well, that the question was, why is high input impedance desirable for a voltmeter? And the answer was, it decreases the loading on circuits being measured. Uh, because it's resisting the, well, the resistance or impedance of the meter is not getting into the component being tested the the power transfer i'm i'm also butchering this but impedance generally resists the flow of of current okay so with more impedance you're not gonna get into the the circuit being tested or whatever the device is that's under load or under test all right the next question reads which of the following is most commonly used for ssb voice communications in the vhf and uhf bands a vestigial sideband <laughs> b upper sideband c double sideband d lower sideband i'm gonna go with b upper sideband. you got it i got one you got one <laughs> Got one. (laughs) Got it. What is the minimum allowable discharge voltage for maximum life of a standard 12 volt lead acid battery? A, 6 volts. B, 12 volts. Volts. (laughs) The volts. Shoot. It's volts. Did you say voles? I said said volts. Little mammals? (laughs) Volts. C, 8.5 volts. D, 10.5 volts. What is the minimum allowable discharge for the maximum life of a standard? I don't know, 6 volts. No, it's 10.5 volts. How was I supposed to know that? How? Yeah, because if you, if you take it below that point, you're doing long-term damage to the battery. So generally, you're not supposed to. Really, a lot of people don't go below 11 volts with with certain types of batteries. Okay. And how do you control how you discharge the voltage? Well, if you have a... People use like inline voltmeters to the battery, to your radio, and it will tell you what the current capacity is of the battery. And then you stop transmitting. Some batteries, uh, like lithium-ion batteries, have charge devices in them Um, okay devices that will specifically shut it down if the voltage drops to a certain voltage all right which of the following frequencies is in the general class portion of the 40 meter band in the itu region two 
Okay. A, 40.5 megahertz. B, 40.2 megahertz. C, 7.25 megahertz. D, 7.5 megahertz. <sighs> you don't know the band frequencies for HF. A, 40.5 megahertz. No, it's 7. C, 7.25 megahertz. Yeah, so 40 meters meters is not the same as the frequency the frequency yeah. space is down in seven meter space got it yeah yeah mm -hmm. there's and a conversion there 7.5 is straight up outside the band completely outside the 40 meter band okay last question what is the name of the process by which sunlight is changed directly into electricity a photon decomposition b photosynthesis c photovoltaic conversion D, photon emission. C, photovoltaic conversion. Good. Nicely done. Thank you. Failed. Yeah. Like really badly. Worse than before? Yes. I got 13 right out of 35. Oh, no. <laughs> that is so painful. <laughs> is, is that an Asian F? That's a universal F. <laughs> You know, that's like an Asian, you You're are disowned. disowned. <laughs> You're out of the family. You've dishonored the family with your ham radio practice exam. I'm so sad. <laughs> You've dishonored the family. I want you to know. Am I still allowed to do the podcast? <laughs> Your punishment is that you have to do the podcast <laughs> and pass the general exam. That's your punishment. That <sighs> oh, must be a masochist. <laughs> Just... <laughs> uh, I didn't mention it before we, we kicked right into the test, but if you want to email us, um, you can send emails at lay at hamtactical.com. And uh, do send us your ham radio questions along with your other comments or curiosities about the podcast. And if you do send a merch idea and we use that merch idea to make merch, uh, we will send you one for free. So there you go. Thanks very much. Okay, so today in kind of a continuation of your preparations corner, I thought we would dip back into emergency preparedness with amateur radio. Dip it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so here are 10 things ham radio can do for you in an emergency. Oh. You like that? Yeah. And ask not what ham radio can do for you. Ask what you can do for ham radio. But that's the opposite of the yeah, I know. show topic. I know. Okay. I got it. That's soda water. Mm -hmm. Okay. They like it. All right, so first, number one, most HF radios are great receivers so there isn't really an HF radio I know that won't let you receive out of transmission band space. So they are <laughs> they are fantastic receivers for listening to all frequencies, all things going on out there on the waves. And when you are in an emergency situation, you can always depend on your HF radio to listen to many different things, including, again, shortwave, down to medium wave, and some of them even do long wave if you've got the appropriate antenna the general advice is if you're going to go with listening for some of the shortwave frequencies, you generally want, I believe the term is one third wavelength of the intended frequency you want to receive on. 
So you don't have to have a transmitting antenna to pick up lower frequencies. You need something that's somewhere close to the wheelhouse, though. One-third wavelength might be wrong. I might, I might be, it's either one-third or one-quarter, but I'm pretty sure it's one-third. Anyway, so keep that in mind. And in fact, you should just try this out on your own time. Um, with the ICOMs, you know, you click the frequency, there's like an F-I-N-T or F-I-N button. If you click that, you can just type the frequency and you want to go to, and then you can just quickly VFO around from there. So getting into the AM broadcast spaces, really easy from there. Number two, um, <clears throat> I am not above some um, specific radios being programmed for GMRS and FRS for emergencies. Hmm. I know I said how, what ham radio can do for you, but uh, let me be very specific. There is, <laughs> There are many ham radios that come out that are locked to ham radio frequencies, but they often have like a little diode or something that you can cut on the back of them that will allow it to be usable outside of the traditional ham radio bands. And in an emergency, you may want that capability. Okay. So that's why I make it number nine, because it's, you know, it's it's pretty high up on the list. Not that important, but um, I would also add... Nine is not high up on a list of ten. What do you mean? <laughs> it's high up on the list, meaning it's the least less important. You get down to the low end, that's where the the money top, you know, the but, money... But you're up. starting from ten to nine and making your way to one. Yeah, but number one. one is the, yeah, is the no, best. No, number one is still at the top. You're yeah. just starting reading from the bottom. Okay. I, I, it's just a matter of perspective, <laughs> I guess, how you look at it. <laughs> Who makes a list when you start at ten <laughs> and you go down to one? Number one, one, and then you go two. up to ten, ten <laughs> <Yeah>. being highest... <laughs> Because I'm an engineer, ten is the highest. <laughs> but it's at the bottom of the, the list. The list starts at zero, believe it or not. Okay. <laughs> I didn't mention that. Okay, well, I hope that makes sense. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so I still recommend that you do have a ton of like FRS and GMRS radios with you that you can hand out to neighbors and all that fun stuff. But keep in mind that there are HTs in particular that can also receive well outside their band space. They're wide band receiving radios for VHF, UHF, and down to HF in some cases, like the FT3DR and the D74, and some of the less expensive radios will also do that. So keep in mind. You know, I stand by the fact that ham radio would be better served if ham radio companies came out with names for the radios instead of just model numbers. That's what CBs were. A lot of CBs are like that. Like the President CB Company, uh -huh. all their radios are named after presidents. Ooh. Yeah. Who's the Eisenhower? I don't know. I don't know the, what's I don't the, know the specific Or models. what's the Eisenhower? <laughs> what's the Johnson? <laughs> what's the Reagan? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, I don't know CBs well enough to comment on that, but I do know that like the McKinley is really popular and stuff like that. Really? Yeah. I'm so surprising. <laughs> the Johnson is also very popular. <laughs> number three, uh, and it's just the same number thing. Number three? Kinda, sorry, number geez, I'm all over the place now. <laughs> number eight. Some HTs have a wideband receive capability and I don't. Now you got me all screwed up because of this whole comment on which way I'm going. I don't know if I'm counting up or down at this point. Is it the eighth most important point? Eighth most important point. Okay. 
<laughs> that again, some HDs have wideband receive capability. And depending on your situation, that may be the only thing you have, right? You're, you're walking out into the field with the smallest kit possible, uh, and that may be the way you have to listen. And for that, for those radios, a lot of them, I know my, um, my THF6, my Kenwood will do this, it has a ferrite bar in the radio for doing medium wave. For making cocktails. For a, the ferrite bar? <laughs> yeah. It just, just sticks yeah, out a, a ferrite walk, stick? No, a ferrite walks into a bar. <laughs> <sighs> Tough crowd. Man. Right. Wow. I, I had to get rid of my trombone. <laughs> or, that's your bad. <laughs> man. That's that's not that's not good. Uh, but if you want to do long wave or I'm oh, sorry, short wave listening, you just put up a long wire and, you know, put a BNC adapter on the end of your your radio and then, you know, you can do short wave listening without much um, issue. If you do have an interest in that, do look at the uh, Kenwood THF6. It's a fantastic um, fantastics probably too generous a word it is a good shortwave radio for the size of the radio it's also very good in medium wave its am reception is probably better there was a test there's a video out there that tests the capability of the t uh, the thd 74 that that 800 radio now on the used market we talked about and the am reception is not nearly as good as the thf6 which is a i think i picked i think i picked that radio up for like less than 100 bucks it was used. It's great. Anyway, I love that radio. All right, number seven. Local comms will likely be your most important asset in an emergency. So make sure you've got Simplex loaded on your radio. Um, ideally, something that you have at home that's 50 watts. You got a nice antenna on the roof or something like that. Higher is better. So if you did have access to a tower and you could put a good you know, vertical VHF, UHF antenna on it, you'd do really well in that situation. Simplex is going to be extremely valuable uh, in an emergency if you are in a comms down type situation. Have HTs and mobile radios programmed the same, using the same repeaters, repeaters that you've kind of vetted that you know huh. work. Uh, in an emergency situation, you may come to find out that those repeaters are solar powered, or you could probably find out beforehand just by being on the repeater and talking to the repeater owner. Consider adding crossband repeat to your mobile radio that's in your home shack and again if you do have that antenna a little bit higher up off the ground you'll be able to get your hts to communicate to far off repeaters that you might not be able to normally but with crossband repeat you definitely can or if you are in a rich simplex environment or soon to be a rich simplex environment as people are using radios during an emergency again in a calms down type situation then your crossband repeater of your mobile radio might be really helpful in that case so keep that in mind. All right, now we are on six, right? Yeah, six. <laughs> <laughs> Arden has Arden, which is the uh, amateur radio emer emergency digital network. I believe I have that right. It's basically a higher frequency networking um, radio for amateurs. I did a video on this. I have a five gigahertz antenna on my roof which i point to mount wilson which is like 40 something miles away as the crow flies and i can hit it i can hit the repeater up on its uh tall mountaintop in mount wilson but with arden you have this cool utility again it's pretty much all off grid if everything's running off of solar right you have the ability to have a grid down network situation or network type connect connectivity 
with that connectivity. 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 You'll have access to many other hands in your area, and that network connection would be very useful for file sharing, hosting data, uh, text chat, um, even playing some some games, which you know, black uh, blackjack, Texas Hold'em, all that stuff is available on Arden, which is pretty cool. There are lots of utility cases for using Arden in your um, your home setup. You could have Arden nodes, like if you've got an, a, a house, a back house that's d- disconnected from your property somewhat, you could use Arden nodes to connect your security cameras together so that you can still be able to huh. watch the video. And again, off-grid, this could all be powered by solar, which could be really effective. Okay, number five. APRS at the local level when displayed on a computer or a tablet will give utility for people or your team and the community. So with APRS, which we talked about in the last uh, video I did last week's live stream, you can see when I was using that tablet, you can see all the local people that I'm just picking up. Not the repeaters, not necessarily people digipeating, but local simplex call it simplex apr aprs traffic that i'm just picking up and that is going to be valuable for say you have a group of people um and they're out doing something you can kind of keep tabs on them for whatever purposes maybe they're maybe it's your local cert team or an emergency preparedness team that is going neighbor you know house to house neighbor to neighbor and they're just checking in on everybody or it's just right after an emergency and they're actually going into clear houses and make sure people aren't injured or whatever and need help having aprs set up and having it set up to dial in pretty close to their location could be really helpful depending on how far away the houses are so keep that in mind too and of course you still have the ability to send text messages and all the things we talked about if you did have spotty internet connection, you could potentially use that to iGate email, and iGate is an internet gate, uh, to iGate email to people outside the disaster area. That could be really helpful. So if you had, let's say, a Digipeter locally that was on um, off-grid power, and they Digipeted your packet to another Digipeter that actually did have comms, they did have an internet connection, and that was an iGate they would pass your packet through that eye gate and get it out of the disaster area. For so, so for some people, like technicians only, that may be the only way that they. That can is just such a fantastic option, though, yeah. because it is something that can be retrieved at any time, and isn't and because it's a digital packet, your message isn't being changed over the course of telephone of the message being passed right and it's literally an email or text message to people mm-hmm. outside the disaster area and you're getting there by hopscotching through digipeters and again aprs is um automatic packet reporting system so it's based off of packet radio so older technology but still super effective uh, which again i talked about on my last live stream from last week so go check that out if you have not already Number four, obviously HF radios, single sideband voice radios will allow you to reach people outside the emergency. You should leverage that when needed. There's still going to be some form of a net that pops up with large disasters. We we see that every time there's a hurricane that pops up. We get the hurricane watch net. There's just going to be people out there. They're going to be on a already set up frequency, likely a frequency they've been using for years to make sure that they're able to communicate what's going on on the ground to other people that are listening that may be in the same impacted region as you 
and also potentially getting information up and out if it was that bad that it that we needed to depend on that. So do leverage that capability. With that said, number three, adding HF capabilities to your computer and consider using modes like JSA call or other asynchronous data modes. So with JSA call, again, we've talked about how some of these software applications work. Your computer is better at listening to the noise of amateur radio than your human ears are. Right. So your computer can hear much deeper down into the noise. What that means is the, the data you send out, even at low power, is going to be picked up by more people. And so if you're using data modes like JSA call, which is an asynchronous type communication method, you can have uh, hams that you normally talk to, right? Mm -hmm. Hams you normally talk to, you can send them messages about what's going on, how you're doing, what you need, what's happening in and around that space. Uh, and, and there's utility that I'm going to talk about as we go further along here that is not just good for getting data out of a disaster area, but communicating within the disaster area as well. Obviously, the value here is, again, that the noise floor, the, the computer software is able to get much deeper into that and still makes it viable for particularly things like JSA call. WinLink is another one that you can do node to node. Um, you can message back and forth with people if you know the frequency that they're on and be able to send them stuff. But that's some stuff you'd probably have to work out beforehand. Number two, this is kind of a preparedness tip of what you should have in an emergency. I argue that you should keep a, a good bit of wire on hand. Or maybe you do this beforehand and you just have it ready to go in case you need to use it. Have a good bit of wire on hand and build yourself an NVIS antenna, NVIS, Near Vertical NVIS. Incidence Skywave. And we know what that is. That's where the antenna is a Pew! horizontal dipole. That's Straight right. Up. Horizontal dipole that is close to the ground. So you have a full half wave um, dipole on 80 meters, for example, which is a great band for NVIS. And you run that thing out horizontally. But guess what? It's only like four feet off the ground. That's it. it it's not high off the ground at all. So your wire is literally l shorter than you are at its vertical height. Right at the right height to trip other people on. Or deers. Deer gets caught in his <laughs> and, and rip the whole thing apart. Um, so yeah, keep that in mind too. Watch out for deers. But with an NVIS antenna, you'll get really good local comms. You'll get a bit further out at night, but um, still, its its main focus is is local comms. This is something that you may need to pre-coordinate with other hams in the area because you know maybe that they would want to do that too. I don't know. And if you've got the space to do it, uh, why not? <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about that. And then item one: make a pace plan out of all of the above. Pace plan. So I don't expect that you are going to um, do all 10 of these things necessarily, but there's some of them that you may do or may already have done, and consider consolidating these along with your other modes of communication into a pace plan, which, again, we know as a pace plan is like a tiered list of your primary, secondary, tertiary, and then emergency uh, power options. So basically four levels starting at your primary just regular day use for communication which is like your phone 
and then scaling up from there as plans fall apart. So if you pick up your phone and it's dead all the time and you know comms are down, well, you got to go down to the list. So maybe you're going to do local comms with an HT. Uh, the next one is going to be I'm going to try HF. And then the last one is, well, maybe we'll do NVIS or something like that. But anyway, I have a video on that as well. This was a term that I learned from Mike Glover. He's obviously, uh, we've talked about him before, retired special forces. This is a term they use often. So pace plan, very important. But here's the twist on this. While you're doing this, and I think it should be a part of a good pace plan, is have an emergency contact list for hams that you are, that you rely on, that are your friends. Have their phone numbers, their emails, and also add frequencies that you can meet on, that you can meet up on after an emergency. So not just a, I'm gonna call this phone number and let them know I'm okay. If that doesn't work because you don't have a phone or that's not working at the time, or maybe it's just congested and you can't call and you can't get a text out, well, consider that both of you will turn on your radio on a specific frequency mm-hmm. and see if if they're, if you're there. Because again, you're not going to be able to hop on the internet necessarily to say like, hey, spots and skeds on Discord, uh, we're going to go hop over on this frequency. You may need to find your friend. So what do you do? That's true. Have, a, have some kind of comms plan to say, this is relatively where I'll be, and I'll call out for you. So yeah, those are those are my top ten. I think I figured it out at the end there how ten works. Oh, through ten. I yeah. think I corrected at the end. Sure. I saved it for par, I guess. <laughs> uh, any final comments, Leia? No, but I I do remember what invis is. That's you what do. I'm like. Whenever you That's get that question, you're going to nail it if it shows up nailed on your it. amateur radio uh, practice test as we go further. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. We have a lot of fun making it, and the fact you listen and send us feedback means a lot to us. 73. 73.